I know where we are. I know what has happened. In some fashion, and, and I lack the intellect to know precisely how, we have traveled from Earth's future to Earth's past. But we saw the Earth destroyed. And Earth will be destroyed, just as we saw it. Only since seeing it, we have passed through a, a backward disturbance in time. Did you notice the date meter clicking down after the shockwave hit our ship? Yes. We returned to Earth nearly 2,000 years before its destruction. That is another reason for us to keep silent. Our human captors will not be edified to learn that one day their world will crack like an egg and burn to a cinder because of an ape war of regression. <laughs> Apes, at this instant in time, cannot yet talk. For the moment, we should follow their example. Welcome to this episode of the Movie Clinic Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, David, and this is my wife, Cherry. And on this episode, we'll be covering Escape from the Planet of the Apes from the year 1971. Now, I guess we're going to do our histories here. Um, and I, I'm going to assume your history is pretty much like with the other ones, correct? Yeah, this I've only got the two viewings for the podcast. Yeah, and you're just kind of going through these films as we're doing them for the yep. podcast, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we will, of course, save your thoughts for the end, uh, as we always do. My history is going to be pretty much the same as the other ones. I watched this one in an Apes Marathon when I was a little kid on TV. And, of course, this was the third one. I would needless to say, I was very curious how they were going to uh, continue the series after the end of the previous I film. Would, which, I was, too. You know, after you blow up the planet of the apes, <laughs> how do you do more planet of the apes? And, of course, uh, as we go along in this film, you will see how they uh, did it. And needless to say, it's very interesting and very creative how they did it. I guess that's a quick and easy on that. And I'm going to just warn everyone right now. My wife and I, we are dealing with some cold and sinus <laughs> things going on. So yeah. if you hear a little crackling in our voices and everything, you'll just have to forgive us for that. Because we're uh, definitely fighting some uh, bad weather here right now. And it's finally starting to hit us. With that all said and done, I'm going to drop the trailer right here. And then we'll come back with the cast and crew. This is Dr. Zero, her loving husband Cornelius, and little Milo. The most dangerous to man is little Milo. Why? The time is 1973. The place is right here on Earth. How did they get here? What is their reception? Welcome, gentlemen, to the United States. 
escape from the planet of the apes. Their adventures are completely fresh, completely new, astonishingly different from what you experienced in Planet of the Apes and beneath the Planet of the Apes. At first, feared and imprisoned. We'll take the female first. Well, she seems to be pretty smart. All right, we'll go for the banana. Well, why doesn't she take it? Because I loathe bananas. I don't believe it. Sarah, are you mad? Until we know who our friends are and who our enemies... And how in the name of God are we to know that unless we communicate? We can speak, so I spoke. <laughs> President. The president convenes a special board of inquiry. Have you a name? Zira. Does the other one talk? Only when she lets me. <laughs> Embraced by our civilization, the nation gives them a hero's welcome. Address, please. The zoo. <laughs> Well, it's sort of, uh, like Grape Juice Plus. How is that? Very wet. It's certainly the most incredible story this reporter has ever covered. And you share the impact of every incredible moment. Must have been the shock. Shock my foot. I'm pregnant. The president's chief advisor wants them murdered, or else the human race cannot survive. The escape. The birth of an infant who could threaten man's very existence. You're the second human I've kissed. You are the first. The relentless chase. The stunning climax. Baby. If you won't give it to me, I'll shoot. Why was Washington thrown into a turmoil by this one baby? Stop him! Escape from the planet of the apes. Okay, and a cast and crew for Planet of the Apes. Um, I guess uh, what we're going to start with, the director is Don Taylor. And he directed such films as Echoes of the Summer, Damien Ullman 2, and The Final Countdown. And he uh, did some TV such as Canon, Night Gallery, and Mannix. And he passed away in 1998 at the age of 78 years old. Now, I have to admit, I was looking at his directing credits. I totally forgot that he directed Almond too. I actually liked that movie a lot. And I didn't even realize he directed that movie. So that, that was kind of a surprise to me when I kind of dug through his credits. I, that didn't even dawn on me. That he did that. I don't guess you've seen any of them movies, have you? The Allman films? No. None of those? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't think so. I wasn't sure. But yeah, that kind of just caught my eye when I seen that. And then, of course, next we come to Roddy McDowell as Cornelius. His uh, second go-around as Cornelius, because he wasn't in the second mm -hmm. film. Uh, they had another actor step mm -hmm. in for him in that one. Returned in this one. Yes, he returns in this one. And, um, of course, uh, he was in films such as Fright Night 1 and 2, Cleopatra, uh, class of 1984 and scavenger hunt and he passed away in 1998 as well at the age of 70 which uh yeah i still remember the day he passed away i was kind of sad for me when i heard about that on the news because um, i always liked anything i always seen him in he was always good he had a cancer yeah if i remember correctly there was this uh 
I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I can't be sure. But he did this documentary on the Planet of the Apes. And I, if I remember correctly, that documentary came out around the time he died. So he must have been sick at the time he did the, yeah. the documentary on the series. You know, by my remembrance of the documentary, he didn't seem to look sick or anything at the time. So maybe he was just concealing it well. But then next uh, we go to Kim Hunter as Zira. And she was in films as uh, The Seventh Victim, Streetcar Named Desire, Deadline USA, and The Kindred. And she passed away in 2002 at the age of 79. And I think I mentioned to you the other day when I was doing my notes on this, I kind of pointed out that almost really every lead actor and character, uh, person in this movie is dead except dead. for one now. Yeah. yeah, that kind of depressed me when I was uh, doing my notes <laughs> on this. But next we come to the one person who is actually still alive as of this recording. And this is Eric Braden as Dr. Hasseline. Victor Newman from Young and Arrested. Yep, I was going to get to that right there. He was in films as such as Colossus, The Forbin Project, uh, 100 Rifles, and Titanic. And of course, he has been on Young and the Restless as, what's his name on there? Victor Newman. Victor Newman. He has been on there from 1980 to 2022. 39 hundred episodes yeah yeah I, I thought he'd been on there a long time yeah because it seems like i remember there was some people i knew watched that when i was a little kid and he was on there then yeah. and yeah i assumed i thought i remembered him still being on that show so and he is i think the only one of the lead cast that is still around but he's got to be in his 80s now i guess yeah, he's a, he's a pretty up there yeah but next we come to bradford dillman as dr dixon and he has been in such films as The Enforcer, uh, Piranha, The Swarm, and Love and Bullets. And he passed away in 2018 at the age of 87. I mean, I was sitting there looking at his too, and I, I watched The Enforcer a little while back, and I couldn't even remember him being in that movie. But it seems like every movie I see him in, he looks a little different, yeah. you know, because I guess he changes his look or something, so it kind of throws me off. And next we come to Natalie Trundy is Dr. Branton. I think that's the way they pronounce it in the movie, Dr. Branton. And she was, of course, in a previous film, Beneath the Planet of the Apes is one of the mutants. And she actually appears in the next two films as well oh, as, is a, she? as another character. They call her Stevie. Yeah, St- Stephanie Branton. But they I call guess, her I guess, Stevie. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah um, I think Zero calls her Stevie, Stevie, but I have Dr. Stephanie Brent Branton. But it looks like she mainly, outside of the Apes films, just did mostly TV, such as uh, things like Quincy and Perry Mason and one of your favorite 77 Sunset Strip and uh, Wagon Train. Yeah. Yeah, you remember 77 Sunset Strip, that little kicky theme song to that movie that you really like? Yeah. Sherry's uh, nodding her head in approval over here. No, no, no she's not. But... but Anyway, um, she passed away fairly recent, 2019, at the age of uh, 79. Next, I have uh, Sal Minio as Dr. Milo. And he appeared in such films as Rebel Without a Cause, Giant, Tonka, and The Longest Day. He passed away in 1976 at the age 37. Wow. He was murdered. Um, oh, no. Not by a gorilla. Not by a gorilla. Not like in this movie. Spoiler alert for the movie later. <laughs> Homicide. Yeah, he yeah. was uh, stabbed in a robbery. 
stabbed and killed. I think it was in his garage or something, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because a lot of people assumed it was something more nefarious, like he was into, you know, like he had a drug dealer or, or something like that. And they said, no, it's just a guy who was around robbing places. And I think Menio happened to catch the guy in his, uh, you know, doing the robbery at his house, and he ended up getting stabbed and killed. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, he didn't live too much, yeah, what, five years after this movie was made and he was, was killed? But, uh, okay, but I guess uh, the last person in the cast and one of my favorites uh, all the way around is Ricardo Montalban as Armando. <laughs> I love Ricardo Montalban, so I was very happy. I'm always very happy to see him pop up in anything, and this is one of my favorite characters that he's done. And he appeared in such films as Mystery Street, Battleground, and, of course, he was Khan in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan and The Naked Gun, among many other films. And he passed away in 2009 at the age of 88. Do you have anybody in the cast that you want to speak of or anything no. in particular? Okay. Well, I said we're going to jump into the film, and I'm going to warn people, if you have not seen this film, considering this film is 50-something years old now, then where have you been? <laughs> but if you haven't seen it, I'm going to just uh, warn you now, we're going to be spoiling this film. If you know anything about the Planet of the Apes films, these don't exactly have happy endings to them. We're going to be spoiling that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. if you haven't seen the film, go out, check it out, then come back with us uh, for this podcast. But with that all said and done, we're going to jump right into the film. Okay, and uh, we start out here with, um, I guess what you would say, an open beach area. You know, with some uh, mountain facings, which almost looks like the end of the original Planet yeah. of the Apes. And mm -hmm. you almost think at first, like, are we on Planet of That's the Apes? That's what I was thinking. That yeah. It was a, a scene or something that yeah. they were going to show. Yeah. Yeah. And you almost feel that at first. And you're like, okay, what is going on here? And then we see a helicopter appear past the mountainside, past the rocks. And we're like, okay, what's going on? And then you notice there are humans in this helicopter. Yeah, and they fly over something floating in the water. Yeah, and what this looks like is Taylor's, Taylor's ship, ship from the original film. The spacecraft that he was in. Okay, and then, then at first, as a viewer, you're like, okay, what is going on here? Yeah. You know, as as I remember I was back then. Yeah. Because this made no sense to me. I still remember watching this when I was a kid. This made no sense to me. Like, okay, what's happening? And then the uh, uh, chopper, the co-pilot, calls in and lets uh, the military, I guess, know the coordinates of where this uh, craft is. And you see kind of the army vehicles moving up like the side of the beach yeah yeah and uh you know they call it in and then they set up the military and they're headed out there and they're coming up the beach you know i guess what is it like a convoy they start jumping out of helicopters into the water yeah, to kind of divers in there to you know get on the spacecraft and yeah and like attach cables to it to try to pull it to shore and as they're pulling the ship up to shore a general pulls up he asked, you know, everyone, like, who's in here? Yeah, is there anybody on board? Yeah, yeah, who's in there? And they and they say they don't know. They don't know if there's anybody in there yet. They, you know, for all they know, it just fell from the sky, basically. Mm -hmm. And then the general just kind of stands there on the shore, and he says, well, let's open it up. And they open it up, and they look inside, and they, I guess, apparently somebody sees somebody in there, and they, you know, and they start helping people out. 
there's three people and they're like wearing like with suits that tailor. Yeah, yeah, spacesuits with helmets on and the fronts of the helmets are blacked out. You can't really yeah. see who they are. Yeah. They just walk out and they walk up on the shore and they're just, you know, standing there. You know who I thought it was going to be? What's that? Taylor, the black guy, the three that originally. Oh, that would have been even yeah. more wild. Like, okay, how did that happen? I forgot their names. Uh, so, yeah. the one poor guy, he had his brain scrambled. Yeah, another guy was shot and killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're standing there, and then the general, you know, welcomes them back to the United States as they pull off their uh, masks and... They are apes. Apes. And we've seen two of these apes before. Yeah, two of these apes is Zira and Cornelius. Yes. And then we have a third ape, which we will come to know as Dr. Milo. Dr. Milo. Needless to say, everybody is a little taken aback by this. Oh, what the heck? Yeah. And then, of course, we get our credits with our groovy 70s music playing <laughs> over it. As uh, the credits are rolling, we see that uh, the apes are being transferred uh, over this uh, credit sequence. They're being transferred to, I guess, some kind of like facility like a military army kind of compound yeah, yeah army base they're not making any kind of fuss to apes aren't they're just they're yeah. going they're going peacefully it's not like you know the military you know they ain't got guns trained to them or anything mm-hmm. like that you know they're just being casual and they haven't said anything and yet. we know that they can talk but yeah, they haven't talked yeah, yeah, yet yeah they haven't talked yeah they haven't said a word then we uh, cut to, uh, you know, some of the military guys talking outside. And, you know, one of the guys is like, uh, he has a bag in his hand. And he's taking, um, you know, we don't know what's in the bag exactly. Maybe food of some kind. And he's talking about, you know, how the apes will be quarantined. Yeah, the, they're calling the local zoo. Yeah. And this guy is an actor named M. Emmett Walsh. Now, you might have remember seeing him in a previous movie that we did, Blade Runner. Oh, he was okay. the Deckard's boss that puts him back on the case. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the many films that he's in. But I totally forgot he was in this movie until I started listening to his voice. I'm like, I know who that is. I just recognized his voice right there. Well, I recognized the Victor Newman guy when I saw him, and I recognized the older man that was in Roseanne. He played her that's right. father. That's right. Yeah, he comes in later. Yeah, he comes in later. But yeah, they were talking, and he talks about how the chimps are like vegetarians. Then, uh, you know, the military men come in with the bags and everything come in, and the military men notice that they're dressing. The apes are getting dressed. They're wearing their outfits that they would have worn on their planet. Yeah, yeah. and then, like, the general or somebody's looking at it like, oh, I'm sorry, you're getting dressed. I'm sorry, I apologize. And then he just stops for a minute. He's like, what the hell am I saying? You know? Yeah, so, you know, it's like, apes don't dress. <laughs> so we're, we're already setting up the dynamic that, like, in the original two movies, the humans were the, like, the freaks or the whatever. Outsiders. yeah. And now we're on, wherever we're at now, they're... Yeah, they're, they're the outsiders. Apparently, apes aren't you know, as advanced. No, no, yeah. no, not in this society because there's actually a gorilla that's yeah. in, uh, not too far away from him, I think, in this facility that is um, not Mm-mm. like them. He's still wild. Um, and then a man with a bag hands uh, starts pulling out some uh, oranges or yeah. something. And Cornelius is there, I think, and he just takes three of them. And then they go and they sit down at the table like they're preparing for dinner. Yeah, they're eating it with forks and knives. Yeah, and they just get their silverware out and they're sitting down and they're just eating. They show like they have a lot of manners yeah. when they eat. Yeah. And they just, you know, the 
humans are just kind of staring at them like, what is going on? Yeah, yeah, they don't know what what's up with this. Because, yeah. of course, apes should not be acting like this. No. These are like, uh, they're acting just like, you know, God forbid, people here. <laughs> I think the general says, well, you know, we need to... Uh, have them sent to the infirmary, I guess, you know, have them checked out medically or whatever, something along those lines. As they're getting ready to leave, you know, they're talking about, you know, they get a mention of a, there's a gorilla there and everything. There's a man, like the janitor. Yeah. He's walking around and he gives that gorilla an orange, which you can tell it's a man in a gorilla suit. Yeah, but I just remember there's a point right here where Zira, the mention of a gorilla oh, upset, irritates her. Yeah, she she yeah. just yeah she gets agitated because yeah, she of still course, hates gorillas. <laughs> yeah, in the previous movie, she has no fondness for the gorillas. Yeah, she thinks they're just empty-headed. Yeah, they're muscle. just yeah they're just uh, muscly buffoons basically. <laughs> and I think this is where we get to what you were talking about. They're actually at the infirmary. Yeah, they're I guess they've been transferred to the infirmary. And the ape is, apes are in their cage, and the worker there is doing his rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, there's different animals in there. And, of course, uh, one of them is a gorilla that's in there. It's like, I guess, in the cage right there beside them. You can tell it's a man dressed up in a yep. gorilla suit. Yep, there you go. Yeah, you can definitely tell. They, I guess they couldn't spare that expense right there of having well, a, an actual a gorilla. gorilla that size would be dangerous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I figured they would maybe use a real gorilla in some of the shots and then maybe use a person oh, yeah. in a suit and some other ones just to kind of, you know, cut it together. But I guess obviously that wasn't going to happen here. And that janitor, he walks over, pats Zira on the head and offers her a banana. And she slaps it out of she his She jerks hand. away from him and acts like she's offended. And then the worker just gets all huffy, of course, <laughs> and then walks out. After they leave, that's when they talk. They start talking to each other. Yeah. Cornelius comes over to scold Zira yeah. for acting out. Yeah. Yeah, because she jerked away from that guy. She's crying and upset because she wants to know where they're at. Yeah, I mean. How did they land here? Yeah, um, what, what happened? Where are they at? And Dr. Milo here kind of tries to give them an explanation on what happened. Basically, what happened is they got into ship. They were in space. The planet blew up, and the shock wave from the explosion pushed uh, their craft through a time warp. I guess. I mean, in a nutshell, that's kind of like how Taylor jumped two thousand years forward. They jumped two thousand years back. Yeah, they they basically went backwards. And he kind of mentions that they don't need to let anyone know that the Earth was destroyed. Eventually, just kind of keep that a secret and. That they're in a time that apes clearly aren't talking because that gorilla's not talking. Yeah. So he's like, we need to keep it on the download. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, Dr. Milo seems to be, I'm trying to remember, I think this was talked about in one of the notes. He's supposed to be like a Leonardo da Vinci of the ape world. Ah. You know, somebody, you know, like a just a scientist who, mm-hmm. you know you know, builds things and stuff like that. You know, he's very smart, I guess. Well, would you call Dr. Zayas smart exactly? I don't know Dr. Zayas, Dr. I, Zayas was... I think he... He was more deceptive. He probably was smart, but he was just too filled with that, bitterness and, and, that, and fear, really. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could say that. I mean, maybe I didn't word it right. I mean, Dr. Zayas was smart. I just think he was a little more kept things quiet to keep the greater good he kind of reminds me of a character in this movie yeah 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 (laughs) yeah i can see that yeah i could definitely see that 
And uh, after, as, then we cut to a scene of this is where we're introduced to Dr. Dixon and Dr. Brenton. Yeah, they're walking outside kind of where the gorilla, the apes yeah. are. They're headed to meet them. Yeah, and they're just kind of talking about what they have learned so far. And they said it's almost like the apes are mimicking human behavior. You know, that's that's what they've been kind of told. Yeah, they're kind of skeptical. Like, yeah, they're kind of skeptical. What? Yeah, like, okay, this don't make any sense. You yeah. know, that this just doesn't happen. But they're like, well, we'll, we need, we'll go check this out and see what's going on. They go inside the infirmary and they look in the cage. And I think Zira's just standing there, like, looking at them. And they go inside the cage. They set up a table and they put some, like, blocks out. And Zira sits down with them. Across the table. Yeah, they're going to, like, test her intelligence, I think. What they do is they put some blocks out in front of her. He put a blue block out by itself. And then he shuts this little shade thing where she can't see. Then he puts a bunch of other blocks in there. And he puts the shade up and she picks the blue block. There you go. Yeah. And this is basically what they do is he'll re-scramble the blocks up again mm-hmm. or take some and remove some, put the shade down and rearrange things, put the shade up. And then whatever blocks weren't there, she points to them or, and everything. And they're just like looking at this like, whoa. Yeah. And then they put out something where to put the blocks back where they go. And she picks up the blocks and just looks in where they're supposed to go. And she fits them all in perfectly. Yep, She passed all her tests. Yeah, she passed all her tests. And they're just kind of looking like, okay. Wow, she's smart. Yeah, she's very smart. The I think Dr. Uh, Dixon asked, have they ate yet? And, you know, they're like, no, no, we ain't fed them yet. I was like, why is he asking that? Well, that's when they lower Oh, I know. Banana. But I thought, what is he doing? Yeah, I know. Like starving them? Like, I thought the first thing that popped in my head, they were going to take blood or something from them. Oh, well, I'm actually shocked they didn't like do that. Like fasting blood or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Now that you mentioned I'm shocked they didn't do that. But then we notice a banana being lowered from the top of the cage, you know, like through a rope. And Zira just kind of looks up at this. She, there's like these... I guess almost kind of like this uh, blocks thing kind of on the floor. Big blocks. And she just sets them all together like they're supposed to be and makes herself like a little ladder. Then she just gets up there on top and sits there right up under the banana and looks at it. But she doesn't take it. She doesn't take it. She just looks at it. The the, the female doctor's like, why didn't she take it? Then uh, Zira just looks down at her and says, because I loathe bananas. (laughs) And then Cornelius jumps up like, Zira! And of course, you know, naturally, a woman in the 70s, uh, this Dr. Brenton nearly faints. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know, the thing I love about this whole scene is how Zira is just playing with them. You know, they think that they're playing with them. I loved how, like, when they put the shade down that first Mm -hmm. time, and then Zira just kind of cuts her eyes back and looks at Cornelius like, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. I know what they're doing. You know, stuff like that. So I just love this whole little scene, how they're, like, playing them instead of course dr milo doesn't like that she talked because they just talked about hiding that they could speak and he calls her mad yeah uh and of course you know the two doctors leave real quick you know they get out of the room and that's that's when uh, milo kind of tells her that you know no that you know you shouldn't have done that you know you shouldn't have. <laughs> he called her bad and Cornell says do not call my wife mad even uh, though he's always yeah, yelling yeah, at her yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well dr milo just basically tells zero that you should not have said this you know, you shouldn't have spoken everything. 
And Zira kind of comes out and she says she just hates deceit. And she just gets so, and she starts getting really agitated mm -hmm. in there. And that gorilla that's over beside the cage, it, I guess it's feeding off of their, their agitation. And it starts getting really agitated as well. Dr. Milo just keeps saying we should, we don't need to be, basically we need to figure this out. We need to figure this out. And about that time, that gorilla reaches his arm into the cage <laughs> And just strangles Dr. Milo just out of nowhere. Yeah. Breaks yeah. his neck. Yeah. And, and of course, Cornelius and Zero are just like horrified, horrified by this. Yeah. Dr. And, Milo lasted like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I always kind of wonder the actor Salminio that plays Milo, from what I understand by all accounts, he had a rough time with the ape makeup because oh, of the, the claustrophobia oh, yeah. of it. And it makes me wonder if he might have had more to do in this film, but since the yeah. makeup was so bad... They wrote him out. Yeah, they just kind of wrote him out of wow. the movie. I'm not really sure if that's the case or not. I've never heard anything one way or the other on that. It always just made me wonder if he was supposed to stick around a little bit longer in this movie than he did. But because that's very abrupt how he's killed Yeah, but if movie. you think about it, he really couldn't have helped them along in the way that it goes. It need to be just them too. Yeah, that's true too. I mean, like I said, I'm never, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that exactly. But point being is, we had three apes. Now we're down to two, because the next scene we see is uh, Doctor Milo's body being wheeled out, and um, I think Doctor Branton and all them they want to do a full autopsy you know, on the brain and everything. But know. that's also a significant thing because they always say that ape doesn't kill ape, but they're in a time where that ape isn't civilized. No, no. So he killed his own kind. Well, that's true too. <laughs> that's very true as well. And then we cut to a scene where Zira and Cornelius are in, in their cage and Dr. Dixon's in there and he says he's sorry to, to Zira. And this is when they find out, you know, that Zira was a, psychologist psychiatrist as well you know she was a doctor from where she came from and you know dr dixon is almost kind of stunned by hearing this but he's fascinated at the same yeah. time and you know that's when uh you know he learns their names you know he learns uh you know cornelius and her name is zira and you know of course dixon's just even just stunned in and of itself that these apes can talk I don't know. Zero seems to be a fairly good judge of character because I know after they start to talk and everything and kind of just do a little bit, get to knowing each other, Zero just says, you know, I like you. Yeah, she likes him. And Cornelius says, I liked you from the start. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just kind of important that they find somebody they can connect with there. Yeah, and I think they can read that there is yeah. something good in some of the people, you know, mm -hmm. something that says they yeah. can sympathize with. And because I think even uh, Dr. Branton, they, they feel the same way about her as well. And then we cut to, I guess, um, the president. So this is already, of course, this has hit the president's uh, desk. And he's in there with his staff and they're consulting. And he lets his staff know what he knows. That a ship was pulled out of the ocean and the ship had apes in it. He says they are friendly. They're going to have a presidential kind of commission the next day to decide what needs to be done. Because they don't know where how they got there. Yeah, they don't know how they got there. So yeah. they just need to figure that out. Figure all that out. 
And he's just like, you know, we just need to get this out in the open because there's no point in withholding this from the public. You know, we just need to get this all out in the air and just let things go as they go. And then it shows like reports on TV all over the world because yeah. they're, they're, you know, it's a French accent. All around the world, they're reporting about these apes being found. Yeah, I mean, this news is breaking everywhere. Yeah. Which I imagine if something like this were to really happen, it would be the same way. This Mm -hmm. would be just... Well, actually, that's something (laughs) I was wanting to talk about later because it does make me wonder. I don't know. I kind of almost have a different perspective on that. (laughs) Because, I mean, we can get into this now real quick. Look at how... God, I don't want to get very political here, but we're going to get a little bit political. How minorities are... Mexicans coming into this country. Yeah. They look different. Yeah. They're taking our jobs. (laughs) Okay. This is almost something like that. Because this is a different race from us. I mean, you can almost equate this to a foreign Mm -hmm. person coming in here. As much as I hate to say, I'm not saying all Americans are like this. But there are many Americans out here who do not like people who do not look like them. And they're open about it. And they're open about it, and they fear that. It's amazing for me to watch this and to see, particularly as we go on in this movie, how open they seem to be. And it just I just I was thinking about that when we was watching it the other day, and I'm just like, hmm, I wonder if that would be this way now. I always wonder about people like that. They must yeah. live in like a bubble. Yeah. Or something yeah. like how many how many years on years have there been minorities around you? Yeah. And you're still standing in place. It's yeah. like get a life. Yeah, I know. And it just makes me wonder if if this were to really happen. Yeah, would what ha- would happen? Yeah, yeah, I think it wouldn't happen the way it does here. Well, in a way I think it would have happened the same in some ways. Yeah. We cut to next. We're at this uh, commission the next day. And, of course, you know, everybody's kind of going in and the reporters are trying to get their scoops. And this is the first time we see our uh, Dr. Hasseline. He I call is, him Victor Newman in yeah, this. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, one of the reporters asked him uh, what he expect. you know, what's his feelings on this uh, commission or whatever. And Hasseline is like he has fear from this. You know, I think he is expecting bad things here. Let me put it to you like this. Hasseline is one of them that kind of starts the downfall of this movie. As soon as I saw him, I knew he was the villain of the movie. He just has villain written all over him. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that name Hasseline, that's very villainous. (laughs) And a name that was mentioned in the previous two movies in passing I want to say it was Brent in the second film says we went through a Hasseline curve. I think it was him or Taylor that mentions it. So yeah. his name was mentioned in the two previous films just offhand. I guess this is the scientist slash everything, you know, Dr. Hasseline, mm-hmm. you know, that they were talking about. We have a, a scene of Dixon is in the room with Cornelius and Zira to talk to them right before, before hearing. And Dixon just says basically just give short, kind of sweet answers don't embellish don't do anything yeah. don't don't overshare basically zero's kind of nervous and he tells her to be herself and then what cornelia says be a better better your better self yeah your better self <laughs> meaning but like you're you're not you're causing he- problems your headstrong self <laughs> yeah. yeah be a little less feisty is uh really i think he's always trying to he's say he got his hands full of her yeah she uh that's one of the things i love about zero zero is very direct mm-hmm. and she is a uh, very headstrong yeah. you know and that's a, that's a rare kind of character to see of a female in the 70s and 70s films she's very 
you know, she very much states her feelings and, mm-hmm. and whether, what she likes and what she doesn't like. And then uh, after this scene, we cut back and we're in the uh, council chambers there. And everybody's around, you know, Cornelius and Zero are sitting there in uh, their chairs on the floor. Then uh, Dixon talks about how, you know, these apes, they will talk and they, they speak and everybody laughs, of course. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, whatever, whatever, you know. And then uh, I think the head of the council asks Zira, you know, what's your name? And she stands up and says Zira. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the guy's like, oh, she's just saying something. Yeah. You know? He doesn't believe she really understood what he said. Yeah, and then he asks her a question again, and then she emphasizes it, her name, Zira. And then the guy is like, oh, well, clearly she's just mimicking, you know, yeah, something she heard a like parrot. a parrot. And then Zira just gets a, a gasp by it and says, a parrot? You know, and everybody's just like, oh, you know, everybody's got clutched her pearls and everything. Because, <laughs> oh, my gosh, uh, this ape is yeah, talking. Yeah, does the other does one the male, talk. Uh, yeah. male talk. He said, when she lets me. And only when she lets me. <laughs> and it just, I guess apparently this just charms everybody, which it, it naturally it charmed me because I thought that was, that just shows their relationship they have with each other. They, you know, needless to say, I think this, um, yeah, definitely starts warming everybody to them. Cornelius kind of tells them that his kind have been speaking for a very long time. Well, because they ask how they learned English. And Cornelius said, what is English? Yeah. This is just how we've always talked. Uh, You know, he said he learned it from his uh, parents and then his parents Mm -hmm. and so on. You Mm -hmm. know, he said that's just the way they've always spoke. Then he kind of talks about how they were taught how God created ape in his own image. People just start to gasp and everything. And, and one of my favorite things that comes up is this mention that, you know, Zira is Cornelius's wife. Wedded wife. Wedded wife. And then this uh, preacher stands up, <laughs> wedded. <laughs> and he just, he's another one. I'm shocked he just didn't get the vapors and faint. Like, oh. You know, I mean, yeah, the religious guy, like two apes married. Oh, no. You know, God, this is an affront to God. And I don't know, that's... um. That that I thought that was just very interesting. Um, Zara talks about that she's only run into two humans that can talk. Yes. From her time. Yeah. And that humans don't talk. Yeah, humans don't talk. Apes talk in her time, but humans don't. Because I know Hasseline is the one starting this uh, thing of question in here, mm-hmm. and he's kind of leaning in, really listening to what they're saying. You know, everybody else I think is. Everybody else is just kind of a little bit more charmed by them. But Hesseline is a little more scrutinizing. Yeah. Zero starts talking about how humans were treated a little bit. Because she said, you know, she dies and then she doesn't say the rest of the word. But he called. Yeah. yeah, He's looking at her. But she says, I've examined many humans in my day. And, you know, she said, basically, where they're from, apes are smart. Humans are basically dumb yeah. in a nutshell. That's really yeah. what she's kind of coming to. And then Hasseline said, asked them finally, like, where did you come from? They said they don't know. And they're even asked, like, uh, did you know uh, Colonel Taylor? Cornelius looks at Zero and says, no, no. We, don't, we don't know him. Don't know who that is. And they said the one thing that they know is Milo raised this ship from the lake. And, you know, he got it up, got it running, and they got off the planet as a war was starting. 
they said, and as we, we just don't know how we got here. I guess she mentioned like a war. Yeah, she mentions a war. A war, and they want to know uh, more with, about that with war. With the gorillas, but they said they don't know. Yeah, they don't know what come of that. We, we didn't go to war with them. We're pacifists. They yeah. stayed at home. Yeah, they stay, Yeah, there you go. They stayed at home. Yeah. While, while the gorillas and their... Well, you know, remember, they uh, protested as they left. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know Zira just talks about that they came, we came from your future. And I don't know, people... It, it's kind of strange. People seem to be okay with them, I guess, you know. But like I said, Hasseline is a little more scrutinizing because, they're, you know, he's not... I almost get like he feels like they are hiding things. I feel I felt like most people treated them like they were entertainment. They didn't but, really believe what they were saying. Yeah, entertainment and kind of a curiosity yeah. as well. More now than, he is a natural kind of like yeah. like he knows that it's possible. So he's he's just trying to figure out more about them. Finally, I think they ask you know to be unchained. And uh, uh, people in the council applaud. And I guess apparently they're going to be let go. Uh, chairman passes the info that they, or is going to pass the info that they found out this hearing to the president. As he tells the reporters as he's walking out, of course, that's what he tells them. Yeah. And Hasseline, they ask Hasseline what he thought of the proceedings as he's going through the reporters. And Hasseline just says, no I have comment. no comment mm-hmm. yet. So you can tell he's still kind of chewing on all this right now because mm-hmm. he feels, yeah, like I said, I think he just feels like, no, there's something. Yeah, there's something more to this. Yeah, they're not saying everything yeah. that they should be saying. And then we cut to, I guess, Zero and then are back in the room there, and they want to tell, I guess, uh, Dixon everything and that they knew Taylor and, you know, tell them that apes didn't love humans. And that they dissect it on for research. And Dixon is kind of just standing there just listening to this. And that they hunted them for sports and did experiments on them. Yeah, and they just did basically what humans do to animals. Dixon seems to understand, but is still a little taken aback. He wants to know if Taylor's still alive. I think Dixon even understands, though, because he even says that, well, we do that to animals Mm -hmm. here. So yeah. I guess where you're from, you would do that there. Because you're curious about that that's not like you. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then this is gets to where it finds out about Taylor. And they say, oh, he's dead. There's no way he could have survived. There's no way he could have survived. And that's when they first say the planet was destroyed. Mm-hmm. They saw it from the ship. They saw it from the ship. They said as they were flying away, mm-hmm. they saw the ship, the the um, Earth just the kind of burned. Yeah, they said it just burned and just yeah. was destroyed. So they said, you know, they don't know what happened specifically because, of course, they weren't there mm-hmm. to see it. But they said, point being is no one survived. I guess no one but them. You know, the whole planet's gone. Even though I, f- I thought it was kind of interesting, the size of nuclear... Um, missile would not have destroyed the earth. I think they even said in a previous movie this was like a global killer. Mm. It was an alpha and omega bomb. Okay. And it was supposed to be like a global. So mm. this bomb went off it was going to destroy everything. Oh. If my memory is correct on that I'm pretty sure that's what I they said. That. Yeah because. Yeah because Taylor was telling Brent in the jail yeah. about the alpha and omega bomb. Yeah because uh, 
Brent says, what did you see? He asked Brent, what did you see written on the side of the bomb? And I think Brent says alpha and, and then uh, Taylor says omega. Mm -hmm. So it's the doomsday bomb. Yeah, I mean, like I said, maybe other nuclear bombs would, but I guess this bomb was specifically like, yeah. okay, we're, this is one we're going to wipe it. Built for that. Yeah, built for that. Where I lost my place here. Okay, uh, Hasseline is... He's being interviewed on yeah. TV. There we go. Yeah, I lost my place in my notes. But and, yeah, he's on, on TV. Yeah, and he's explaining how the apes could have traveled from the future. And this thing was very hard to explain. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I don't know how well I'm gonna be able to explain this, but he's kind of explaining, you know, how the apes are from the future. And then the report says, "Well, is it true? That is really true." Yeah. And he said, Hasselani says, yes, I believe that is very true. I believe yeah. they are from our future. That they could be from the future, but also be where they're at now. So he does this example. He shows a man painting a picture of some landscape. But then it just kind of shows that, like, it keeps stepping back from that picture. And then you have a man painting the man painting the landscape. Yeah. And then it draws it back even more. And it's just like, for eternity, that happens. Yeah. And really, the whole things I get from this this kind of thing and what Hasselin is talking about, he's, and it's like, time is like freeway. You know, there's many lane changes that you can make. I mean, I guess this is just something in time travel rules. You can, timeline will go straight, but you can branch off and go another way. And that, to me, is almost like what is happening in this movie because apes, they say they evolved from men. But maybe that was just Dr. Zaius' thing that was came up with in them sacred scrolls or that was in, written in sacred scrolls. Who says this isn't really how everything happened? Maybe yeah. we're in a time loop instead of changing lanes. Maybe this whole series is a time loop. As, as we're um, watching this uh, TV, we noticed that Cornelius and Zero are watching it on TV. And then we come to find out from the reporter that the apes will be uh, let go tomorrow. They're going to be shown around the city. You know, basically giving a tour of the city. Because apparently they deemed them harmless. I don't think they were watching. It just the reporter on the TV said that the chimps were going to be taken to a hotel and given a tour of the city the next day. Well, they were. I then think it that, showed the next scene is them taking them to the hotel. Yeah, they were watching the show that Hasselite was on. Oh, where yeah. were they at? They were in the zoo. Oh, okay. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. They. Because I know it showed a scene of Cornelius watching the TV in the hotel. That's later. That's okay. later. Okay, I, I just missed yeah, that. Yeah, that was later on. And you're right. And then that's when uh, we cut to, and the apes are being uh, chauffeured around town. Well, they're driving around town first, and this is when they're set up in a hotel. The hotel asks, uh, you know, Cornelius, and where was your previous residence? And then Cornelius looks over at Zero, and she, he's like, the zoo. The zoo. Yeah, the zoo. <laughs> and, everybody laughs. Yeah, and everybody laughs. And then they're taken up to their very swanky room. Very. It's a huge suite, and yeah. a lot of people have sent, like, flowers and gifts to them. Yeah. They just seem to be kind of overwhelmed by this because yeah. you have to admit they lived Ape City, uh, Ape City, which was kind of more primitive by yeah. comparison. And this right here is like just very swanky pad here, yeah. you know, like a you know high up air in in the building and everything, mm -hmm. like very nice, very Executive nice. Executive suite. Yeah, 
And then next we see this is when they're driven around town and Cornelius is in like a, a place having a suit tailored for him. And uh, the guy asks, can I uh, measure your inside, you know, leg and everything? And Cornelius just looks and says, no. <laughs> I don't know why. He is, uh, I don't know. I didn't get that. I don't know why he's so objects uh, to that so much. Did you say you were going to dress like that for yeah, Halloween? Yeah, I was going to come out with this because Cornelius steps out. You know, Zero's out in the car waiting on him. Uh -huh. And Cornelius steps out in like this three-piece suit, yep. you know, and this, and everything. And Zero just seems to be like, oh, oh. you know, look at this handsome man. <laughs> And I was actually one year, I remember after I watched this movie, I wanted to go as, as Halloween one year at one time, and I was sitting there thinking about it. I was like, maybe I can find this, because I already had the little suit and everything. But I never could find the eight mask. Oh. Like that. I would If I would have found that eight mask, I would have probably went as that, because I just thought that looked very cool with the three-piece suit <laughs> on and the uh, eight thing. And I just thought that that looked, you know, I thought that looked really cool. I really wanted to do that, but unfortunately it didn't happen. Maybe sometime. <laughs> but um, next we cut to Zira. And she's having, uh, I guess, women model clothes in she's front gonna of her. She's going to pick the outfit that she likes. Yeah, she's, and yeah. There's a one that comes by with a brown corduroy outfit. Yeah, this these are some very 70s fashions yes, that we're doing. colors, yeah. lots of corduroy. Yes. Lots of uh, scarves around their neck. Mm -hmm. So she picks that brown corduroy. And I think it has a pink scarf around the neck yeah and that, yes that's the one that catches zero's eye and then uh she comes out of the store similar to the way uh, cornelius did with his and she just spins <laughs> around and then shows it off and cornelius just gives her a little applause you know he just loves it he thinks it's so good i love these two characters together yeah, i really so do sweet. yeah i mean they Roddy McDowell and Kim Hunter, they play off of each other yeah. so well i mean they played off each other very well in these movies and then we cut to, I guess, back at uh, their room at the hotel. There's some kind of party going on. A weird party. And there's like, um, well, I don't want to call it a seesaw. What well, is that well, in there? there's a lady on an exercise bike. A teeter-totter? Well, yeah, and then there's... Later, there's two people on a like a titter totter kind of. Yeah, and I was like, well, I've never been to a party with a teeter totter. Maybe before. that was a '70s thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't was know. A, I was born in the early '70s, but I missed a I lot didn't... of the '70s because I was a little kid. Yeah, you know? I was very little, so I don't remember seeing teeter totters and places and stuff. <laughs> but hey, what do I know? Cornelius is kind of standing surrounded by women and this man asked him, what does he think about their women? And then he just he kind says, of glances around. They're very human. They're, they're human. They're <laughs> human. And, you can't tempt Cornelius? Well, yeah, yeah. So I know. He's just like, yeah, yeah they're, they're very human. <laughs> it shows a woman come up to Zira and she says she's an editor for a pet magazine. And Zira asked her if she thinks she is a pet and the woman says yes. Yeah. But I think so, they asked... That was rude. Well, but they asked uh, Zira if she would be interested in talking at a women's... Uh, yeah, but that moment, I think, was just kind of... showed what people... Some people thought, think of them. Still think of them. That they're not... Like, they're still animals. And then uh, Zira is brought over a little thing of... Uh, wine. Wine. And she asked, yeah. well, what is this? And she, and they said, well, you might want to think of this as a grape juice plus. <laughs> then they ask her, what is she, uh, what, what's her favorite food or something? I can't remember. Fruit. Fruit. And then she she, after she drinks that, she says, ah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, she, she likes wine. Yeah, she likes that wine. And, yeah, and, of course, like I said, we see that teeter-totter. 
at the party and all this. I don't get it. I don't know. I thought that was just, it, it was something. I mean, I always yeah. forget that every time I watch, until I watch this movie. I'm like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> weird. What is that in there in that party? But I mean, apparently it's a, a grand old time for everybody because everybody seems to be enjoying themselves, you know, and uh, Cornelius and Zero are kind of the uh, centers of the party and yeah. they seem to be enjoying themselves. And then we cut to the evening, I guess the party's over with and uh, Cornelius is watching TV and you find out that Zero is going to be talking at that women's conference uh, tomorrow and Cornelius is going to see a prize fight. Boxing match. Yeah. 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 And Cornelius, you know, he's watching TV. He's got this little very smooth looking robe on here. Very, 70s. Yeah. Very 70s. Very colorful robe, too. I might it's add. warm. Yeah, it does. That's one of the things I noticed about that. I'm like, well, that looks like a very comfortable robe. You wouldn't wear it even if I bought one for you. Uh, that color? Uh, probably. I would. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I just, it really stands out. I couldn't hide from anybody if I had that robe on, let me put it that way, because the colors would definitely get me away. But uh, he gets up, you know, turns the TV off, and he goes in, and Zero is uh, in a bubble bath. In a bubble bath. <laughs> and I think the apes aren't fans of water. Yeah, he asked her, How is it? And she says, It's very wet. And, and soothing. <laughs> soothing, but wet. wet yeah. And he's just like, Hmm, okay. And then he uh, leaves her to her uh, bath. And then we cut to the next day, and we're at this uh, place called the Bay City Woman's Club. I believe that's what I wrote down. This is where Zara's speaking. Yeah, and there's a... Basically, this is almost like a what a women's lib thing going on yeah. here in the 70s. She's speaking about... She said, um, the marriage bed is made for two, but how come only the women are making it in the morning? So yeah, she's making getting, the beds. She's getting that... that you know, she's she's trying to encourage the men to let women use their heads for more than cleaning the house. Yeah. Basically, that women should be treated as equal as men are. Yeah. Is really what is coming about. And, of course, you know, naturally this gets a nice little round of applause from everybody mm-hmm. because... She fits right in. She fits right in. <laughs> and Zero is very headstrong anyway, so I feel safe to say that was already going on in their house on, on in Ape City when they were there. I don't know the... Um, hierarchies in chumps are women are the females more pri- uh more you know kind of a matriarchal well you gotta look system. at you gotta look at ape city zero was a scientist she was a chimp so but it was hard to tell because there were no female you didn't really see, see a lot the of females. females exactly on what if they held positions yeah because a lot of time the few that they saw had children with them like the traditional yeah, so, mother and child so you just assumed they were probably just yeah. normal yeah i mean it's hard to say i mean they didn't really dig into that in the, i don't know in much the, about the original film society yeah i mean i don't know i mean i, I just always kind of look at like you know zero in the original movie of course you know and even in the other ones she was more of a scientist and a doctor herself so you know you gotta assume that maybe some women were in that society and some yeah. weren't but uh, after the scene with zero at the uh, women's conference we cut to cornelius at a prize fight and everybody is into this fight you know wanting blood and everything all the you know humans all the people there you know you know, watching the boxing match. Yeah. And Cornelius is just sitting here just appalled by it. Yeah, he's the most civilized person in the room. Yeah. And he just looks at it unimpressed and just says, beastly. And then we cut to a scene of Zira is being taken around the museum. I think Dr. Hasseline is there, you know, just kind of showing them around. You know, they're looking at some uh, 
dinosaur bones, uh, bones yeah. and stuff like mm-hmm. that, you know. And she just kind of is roaming around the museum and just, I mean, looking around, just kind of fascinated by it because I don't think she's ever seen this kind of thing before, naturally. And then she walks up and there's a big kind of stuffed gorilla, gorilla. there. And she looks at it and she is kind of has this look of fright on her face. Because remember what they had in there? Their displays were all humans. Yeah, stuffed yeah. humans. And she sees this and has a horrified look on her face and then she faints. Hasseline just kind of glances around looking and sees her on the floor and he goes over there and checks her out. And I think this is when she kind of she kind of comes to and says, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant, which I thought I remembered them saying that in the last movie. Yeah, I believe they did, if my memory is correct. I, I can't recall because yeah. Cornelius and Zero were only in, what, one, two scenes mm-hmm. in the previous movie? Yeah, but they mentioned when they were in her the house yeah. with Brent. And another thing I'm going to bring up, remember in the previous film, they weren't married. Yeah, they were. No, I mean, in, yeah, but... They were I, married in Beneath? I thought in, now in the original film they weren't. They weren't but, in the original. But then they were married by Beneath. Mm-hmm. I think I remember reading a book that explains when they got married yeah. in that. But yeah, I was sitting there thinking... I knew it was between one of these two films that they mm-hmm. went from being, yeah, you know, fiancé to, to married. husband, yeah, wife. husband yeah. wife. You know, after she uh, comes to and, you know, of course, says she's pregnant, she's brought back to the hotel. You know, Hasselin brings her back, and he says, oh, I'll stay with you while Cornelius, until Cornelius gets back. He asks her, do you want anything? And she says, I would like some of the grape juice plus that's in the refrigerator. <laughs> so she's apparently becoming an alky. Yeah, nobody ever told her it was wine. Yeah, no, no. But she <laughs> likes the taste of it. I guess that's that grape wine. She loves that grape juice plus. And Hasselin uh, gives her some of it, and he says, uh, and she's like, whoa, 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 not too much of that. And he says, oh, it's fine. It's good, you know, for... I, I, it's weird where he says something like good for the pregnancy or something like that. And I'm just like, no, that's not actually right because, you, you know, women aren't encouraged to drink alcohol or yes. do anything like that or anything while they're... Uh, well, I uh, think he he was just being deceptive. Exactly. And I think, well, what his real intentions are is he's starting to get her to drink more. And tell him and, more. And uh, tell him what the information he takes his cigarette box out and he asked if it's okay for yeah. him to smoke and you see him open it and turn a little recorder on. Yeah, there's a recorder in this thing. But then he says, oh, I shouldn't do that because you're pregnant. And yeah. then he shut, he puts it down on the table. Yeah, so he's got a recorder going there. Uh-huh. A little James Bond kind of recorder yeah. too because I'm just like, hmm, <laughs> a little shifty there, Dr. Hasseline. You know, Zira's kind of getting good and sauce there. And she kind of starts, he starts to just ask a few questions and comes to find out that what happened to the planet. She says, oh, as we were going, the planet blew up. Uh, yeah. Because she was talking about there's a war, the gorillas were having a war. She said they didn't mm-hmm. know who war was with it. But, you know, she said whatever happened, the planet blew up. And then I think uh, she's asked her something about like, or he asked her, was it something about what the year was on the gauge? And she says it was 3950-something. Yeah. 3955 or something like that, where they came from. And basically, Hasselin is getting a lot more information from this than they did mm-hmm. at the hearing, where they were being a little more keeping their cards close mm-hmm. to, to the chest there. Yeah. 
Hasselhoff seems to have enough information here. And then he goes, next thing we know, he's with the president and he's playing this information for the president. Here's the surprising thing about this. This president, I mean, he seems to be unimpressed with this information right now. Because I think his gen genuine thing is, it's like, well, this is, we're not even going to be around. Yeah, he's like, we got enough problems of our own. Let's not take on problems that are coming in the future that won't be ours. Yeah. He just kind of lacks with the future. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is, is, you know, Hasselin is worried about the future. You know, he's worried about the human race. Um, if this is what's to become of everything mm -hmm. and if these apes are going to trigger what's going to become. And he's concerned about them being in charge in the future mm -hmm. because he thinks they will destroy it because really Zero was not there when all that happened. No, according she to... She didn't know that Taylor was the one that no. set that off. No, no. I mean, they kind of all were fighting, but... It technically was the human that set it off. It wasn't the ape. No, not at they all. They were trying to steal that from them people. Yeah, but, you know, they... Well, at one point, one of the apes almost pushed the trigger. Yeah, but, but then he didn't Brent, know what he was doing. Yeah, but then Brent made that noise. You know, he was putting the butt of the gun down mm -hmm. onto this uh, piano or something yeah. to distract them because the ape was almost touching the detonator. You know, Hasseline... Of course, like I said, he's worried about the future and he, should we alter the future? Now, I mean, this is a question that is in these movies and he's not even sure. Yeah. At this point, he doesn't know if it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Because he was it. he says something like, is it defying God if it's God's will for things to go the way it's going to go? Is it up to us to decide how things like that are going to go? You know, do you alter this if you know it's going to happen? Maybe it's supposed to happen this way. I think you just should always say, just mind your business. Well, you would think that, but just no. Just mind your no. business. But, of course, that isn't... I mean, Hasselhoff, I will say this for him. He does seem a little conflicted here yeah. at, at this point on what to do about this. I mean, He's that martyr kind of spirit Yeah, where he's unsure of... Just taking one or two people out to save the world. Should he do that? Well, I mean, and it's like I said, I mean, do you have the right to try to alter the future yourself? Right. Change it. And I just mean, let it play out how it's going yeah, to Yeah. I mean, do you do that or, yeah. or just let things go as they're going to go? Because if they go that way, should they have always, was it always going to be that way? And if you change it, then you're altering it. Yeah. And who says... That things, if you alter this future, it won't go in a worse way. Right. You don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could be altering this future, which is already going to be bad, but you could be altering it in a way where it's going to turn out 20 times worse than what it was. Because we've seen tons of movies that's done that. Try to turn the future mm -hmm. and it ends up being worse than what you were trying to avoid. Hasselheim is just, you know, he just asked the president. He says he feels the apes should be, you know, properly interrogated. Because he sees, feels like they're not telling everything. And I think the president's just like, well, he says, I guess what we should do is we should just get a commission together. See what, you know, if they agree on that the apes need to be interrogated more, then we will uh, go with that. 
And then we cut to commission and they start talking about it and they agree that maybe the apes need to be further questioned. So they send them to, I guess this what is like a compound 11? Camp, camp 11. Camp 11 for interrogation. And uh, I guess, uh, and the apes, of course, are going to be taken and, and uh, questioned further. And right here, we're going to take a break. And then we, when we come back, we will come back to uh, the conclusion of Planet of the, uh, what, Escape from Planet of the Apes. And we will find out what happens in this interrogation. And it doesn't go well. <laughs> now, the biggest, the newest, the most exciting of all the Planet of the Apes pictures. Climaxed by the spectacular Revolt of the Apes. The most awesome, the most horrifying spectacle in the annals of science fiction. First pampered as pets, then abused as servants, now oppressed as slaves. We are back, and we are in an interrogation room with uh, Cornelius and Zira and Dr. Hasseline is there. And another man. And another man is there. And they're playing this recording uh, that, you know, they made of Zira and Cornelius. She acts like she doesn't know what's going on because he got her drunk. Yeah, yeah. And yeah Took she, advantage of her being drunk yeah pretty much that's exactly what what happened there and you know they play some of this recording and you know they just say the chimps had no part in the war yeah we want to know part of it they ask about you know how the planet was destroyed and they assumed the planet was destroyed as a man-made weapon Cornelius gets kind of angry he's usually always calm but he gets very, because they just keep trying to suggest that they're the dangerous ones. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of tells them that apes don't destroy themselves. Humans do that. And yeah. what happened was done with a human-made yeah. thing. Yeah, a man-made yeah. bomb or man-made weapon. Because, yeah, I mean, apes, you know, 
they don't believe in that. And then I just think Hasseline just finally wants to know how apes evolved from what they were. And uh, Cornelius kind of just goes into how dogs and cats were, they, they died from like a virus. All pets like that. You know, dogs, cats just were all gone. They was talking about how there were just dog fires that were uh, dogs' bodies being burned and everything because they were dying. And then, you know, of course, humans needed pets of some kind, so they started using apes. And they said as time went on, the apes started evolving. They were around humans so much, they started to... Maybe not mimic is not the right word. Yeah, but he pretty much says that they rose out of that slavery. Well, they said they were like that pets at first, but then as they were around humans longer, they started... Treating them like slaves. Yeah, because the the apes could start doing things like house cleaning and going and taking a list to the supermarket to get groceries yeah. and all this. It became like a form of slavery, but then he said apes eventually learned the one word to say after a while as far as what slaves. You know, when people get rounded up together and get a, a union of it together, they said no. Now, my question is, is how did Cornelius know all this? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Dr. Zass is keeping everything close oh, to the belt. Uh, yeah, yeah, He didn't yeah. want nobody knowing anything. Yeah, and it just makes me wonder how, because Corn Cornelius, I mean, he was an archaeologist on the eight planet, and he was still digging through stuff at the time because he wasn't really sure. It had to be Milo, right? My best guess is Dr. Milo Name. knew this kind of stuff, and he re relegated this information to Cornelius as they yeah. were knowing each other. And told Cornelius, here's what Dr. Zayas doesn't really want you to know. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's me just assuming. This, I had wrote in my notes, this kind of is what the world's going through now. Like. Where we're a slave to the corporations. Yeah. And the government. You're starting to see other countries just totally taking on their governments. In the streets. Well, yeah. And I think that's what it's going to take to get, you know, some kind of freedom back to live, not a slave to your job, a slave to your money, a slave to every, everything. To, to uh, other beliefs. Just because you're trying to survive in the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, that. yeah, I could see that. I mean, I could definitely see that. Because... That's what made me think about when he was talking about how you all rally together. Because mm -hmm. that's that's the only way you can take on anything like what we're dealing with in the world right now. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like a, a you know slavery thing, for yeah. example. I mm -hmm. mean, that's how you get out of slavery is you got to rally together yep. and fight for freedom. Next, I think this is when Hasselheim plays a bit from the first hearing of the word dissect. They seem to be concentrating on the more dangerous things she said. Yeah. Even though she's not a dangerous person, they're trying to kind of build this character in the apes that's making them look like they're... Build their narrative. Yeah, that people uh, should be concerned about them. Yes. And they asked what she meant by dissect. Because they kept playing the long dissect, dissect, dissect. Cornelius and Zira are kind of just, they just stay quiet. 
And finally, Hesslein just calls in, you know, on this uh, uh, intercom thing, he calls uh, the Dr. Uh, Dixon, and, and he calls him in, and he uh, walks over to Dixon, and Hesslein hands him a needle, and he says, we need to give her the sodium pentothal, basically truth serum. Cornelius doesn't, he gets all kind of upset. Yeah. Even though he's so gentle, and he doesn't really like to fight. And- no. He's just like, Zira, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you can't give her that. That kills people, you know. Yeah. He's so sad. Yeah, well, you know, I think, yeah, I guess probably back where they were from, you know, you give something and a needle to somebody that's going to kill them. Yeah. They take him from the room. Dr. Dixon tells Zira, I'm sorry, I got to give this to you, but he says yeah. it won't hurt you. It won't hurt your baby. You know, he says all this is, is this is basically just grape juice plus. Yeah. That's what this is. He says, that's how it's going to make you feel. And she just lays there, and then she's injected in the arm. And after the stuff starts to set in, and then she is asked questions, and then she starts going, you know, about what the relationship between what humans and apes were on her planet. And Mm -hmm. this is when they get into all the experiments. Tells them how, you know, humans were dissected and studied for alder parts, mm-hmm. every part lobotomies. of the human. Lobotomies. Humans were hunted for target practice and everything. Yeah. Their vocal things were checked out, stimulated just to see because humans didn't talk, of course. She goes into everything. Which is what they meant for her to do. That's what they meant. They Well, they wanted all this information. They got it. And then they was asked about Taylor. And she said they loved Taylor. He was, yeah. a, he was a friend. They, you know, like I said at the trial, they act like they didn't know Taylor, but now in this under this, she said they knew him. Because in all honesty, Zara and Cornelius is the only reason why Taylor lived. He got out of there. Yeah, Taylor would have been killed. Yeah. Yeah, because Dr. Zayas, I think if he had his way, Taylor would have been killed and just been done with it. They, they saved his life. You know, apparently Hesseline has all the information he needs. He gets to tape and he, he goes to take it to the president. Yeah, the president. And the president, you know, of course, he says, well, there's been no hostility yeah. from these apes. That he doesn't feel that about them. And Zero only is only done to these humans what we do to animals. animals. But, you know, it's like it's I said. It's almost like saying that's society. Yeah, that's their society. Uh-huh. You know, it's like in it's our society, you know, yeah. they do experiments on animals mm-hmm. here. They act like at the same time, do they want to risk it? It's that typical, you know, when you have a group of people that think they're the majority and that they're better than anything and anybody, mm-hmm. and they can't accept a narrative where they wouldn't be the majority. Yeah, and I mean, it's just funny to hear this, and yeah, I, I mean, I guess you have to look at, of course, we're humans, and we were to look at that thing, kind of thing, we'd be appalled, because I still remember... The one of the things that always sticks out to me, like even from the original film, is where they were hunting the humans like they were just hunting a pack of deer mm-hmm. or something in the woods. And, like, you yeah. know, of course, like right there at the, after they did a hunt, you know how you'll see pictures online of people with their bucks that they yep, shot? They had they, humans. <laughs> yeah, instead of that, they had humans and they were standing there with their big pile of humans behind them. And there was like, ho, 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 you know, like that, <laughs> you know, getting their pictures taken. So, I mean, to me, I'm just like, where is that any different? It isn't. Then what happens here? Yeah, so I don't know. It's just like I said. It's just the entitlement. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just like, you know, we're (laughs) humans. We're humans, so therefore we're better. 
But on their planet, the humans weren't better. But really, both of them have the same want to survive. Yeah, there you go. You know? Yeah. Anyway, we got to go back to that. And the commission wants to, I mean, they're talking about, you know, just abort Zira's baby. Yeah, they think she's, a, the baby's a danger. Cornelius is not a danger. They don't feel like he is. But I feel like Cornelius, if it came to hurting her, he would have been dangerous. Well, we, we see that yeah. later. The commission wants to abort Zira's baby and sterilize yep. both of them. Yep. So mm-hmm. there will be no they more can. babies. Yeah. That seems to be their whole thing. They don't want to kill them. They just want, well, they want to kill, technically, I guess, the baby because Zira is not far off from being having the having child. Having the baby. So they just, they, they don't want to kill Cornelius and Zira. They just want to stop this where, right here, you know, that's their whole thing. And then we kind of cut back and Zira's talking to, I think it's Cornelius and uh, Dixon. I believe he's in there too. And she says that she's happy. She told him and it's out in the open. Lewis is um, not there anymore. Oh, he wasn't there? Okay. This is where that they're just talking and Cornelius is scared they're going to be killed. That's right. That's right. No, they're in that room together. Yeah. yeah. Somebody brings a food tray to them. Yeah. You know? And because uh, this is when Cornelius asked Zira about, you know, how much longer do you think, you know, before you deliver? And she says it's going to probably, it might be about another week or so. I think, yeah, because her time is close. Yeah. And this even is, though she doesn't look pregnant. <laughs> no, no. And that's, yeah, that's weird. I mean, yeah, because she, if she's showing, she isn't showing. Let me put it that way. <laughs> uh, and this is where you was talking about there's so when this orderly comes in with some food and everything. Kind of being a little flippant, I guess is the word I, I want to use. And there's, we didn't mention before, but Cornelius has asked him several times to not refer to them as monkeys. Yeah, that's it's like offensive. a, that's like a racial slur. Yeah, it's offensive to them. And that man is saying, oh, you need to eat for your baby. You know, and he uh, says or, something about a monkey. Well, he says the little monkey that you're carrying or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and Cornelius flipped the fuck out. Yeah, yeah, Cornelius just, I think he's at his wit's end here. Yeah. And then he just flips the tray over and it knocks the orderly down. And the orderly doesn't get back up. And then that's when they, he gets to zero and he says, come on, we're leaving. And they get over and they start moving out of the facility. Shows that body laying on the ground and he has a big gash on his head. I mean, it just, it almost got, it's almost strange, almost like a gunshot. I know, it didn't look like a little tray did that. No, I think (laughs) what must have happened is when Cornelius hits him, it knocks him over. Maybe he hits the side of something on the ground there. And it like, like, you know, it maybe cracked his skull or something. You know, Cornelius didn't mean to kill the guy. I think he was just trying to knock him out of the way because he got mad. Yeah, so they can get out. And they uh, get out of room. Then we cut to a scene with Dixon, who's uh, with a Hasseline. Well, it shows Lewis is talking on the phone with Stevie. Oh, well, yeah. And he asked her to come where the chimps are. Yeah. I think Lewis is upset about them wanting to abort the baby. Yeah, you call him Lewis, I call him Dixon. But then, yeah, it's the scene I'm talking about comes after that. Oh, that's okay. right. That's right. Yeah. And he's sitting there after he talks to her on the phone, and then that's when Hasseline comes in. I think this is pretty much where uh, Dixon or Lewis, which, uh, I'll call him, you know, he says, do you, tells Hassan, you want these apes dead, don't you? Mm. And uh, Hassan says, yes. Because that's, he's a part of that committee, but he doesn't, he's not in line with that committee. No, no. He wants them dead too. 
Yeah, because I think he has kind of just swayed over, particularly, I guess, after hearing what Zira said about the human experimentation yeah. and stuff. Because you you remember before he heard that, he wasn't sure if he felt like it was, was even the right the thing. Middle. Yeah, he was kind of more in the middle on mm -hmm. it. But then I think after that, that kind of swayed him like, no, we He's need like, to. They're dangerous. This is dangerous. Yeah. I mean, I don't agree with him, but I see where he might be coming from on that. But I don't agree with it exactly, but I can see where his perspective would be. You know, then we cut to Zira and Cornelius are outside, just outside the gate. And then they are able to sneak in to where the gate controls are. Mm -hmm. They sneak behind the guard. Cornelius opens up the gate. This is the most unaware guard. Yeah, this this guard has just got his back turned talking on the phone, and then mm -hmm. uh, Cornelius goes in there and tells the guard, good night. And then the guard's like, yeah, good night, good night. <laughs> and then Cornelius opens the gate up, and then just, yeah, they just, they walk out. Probably one of the easiest escapes I've mm -hmm. ever seen. You know, this isn't like Escape from Alcatraz or something like that. You know, yeah. this is this is a very easy escape that they make. And then Cornelius and Azir go out and they go into the woods into the brush they're going down a hill and suddenly zara gets a pain yeah and you're like oh no yeah. she's going into labor yep she's starting labor her contractions yeah her contractions are starting yeah that's uh this uh, not not the best time but no you can never plan that is when it happens it's going to happen and then we cut to hasseline finds out that the apes have escaped because they come to the infirmary and they find out that, uh, I guess what, uh, they find that body. That he's dead. That that guy's dead. Yeah. And Cornelius didn't mean to kill no, him. No, no, no. But it plays into that Dr. Hasselhoff's mind that they're yeah. dangerous. Yeah. And... Because basically Hasselheim want, wants the apes killed. Mm -hmm. He said they have to be killed. And then we cut to Cornelius is in, you know, the wooded area with Zira. And he says, I want I need to leave you here. Yeah, he knows he can't, can, they can't continue. She's on, she's in labor. So he wants to go back to the camp and get Lewis to come back, bring him back to help her. Yeah, he wants to go find him and bring back help. And he says, you know, he says at least a child will be born no matter what happens to, to us. Basically... Hesselin calls the president at the next scene and tells him, hey, I, you know, these apes need to be killed. Mm -hmm. And the president doesn't want that. He says, I don't want unarmed, nobody unarmed to be yeah. shot and killed. And like I said, this president, I can't decide if he's just looking out for his own interests or he has a genuine concern about this. I think the president is almost like treating these apes like people. That's the way it almost kind of comes off to me because, you know, a normal, you know, some people in this situation, it'd be like, yeah, just go ahead and kill them. Just be done with it. But the president's like, no, we cannot kill these apes. They're not armed. They haven't technically done anything to us. They just showed up. You know, then that's kind of the point. These apes haven't been malicious to them in any way whatsoever. They may be a little secretive, but, but they, they haven't been, you know, malicious. So I can kind of see that point as well. It shows a scene of like a bunch of army vehicles moving out of that Camp 11. They're going to go, they're looking for the chimps. Yeah, but I think the president's just, you know, like, if you got to bring them in, I don't want them killed. Just bring them in. And that's when, like, you was talking about the scene where the military is out there, out lot searching around. And this is when Dr. Uh, Brenton, or uh, Stevie, I think uh, you was calling her Stevie or Dr. Brenton. 
she's driving and she runs into uh, one of these military checkpoints. And they just uh, look at, uh, and, and apparently the guy recognizes her and says, oh, we're just out looking yeah. for these uh, two, uh, two apes. That they escaped. That they escaped. And as she's talking to the military guy, she notices Cornelius is hiding over there. Across she didn't the, notice. I thought she'd seen him. No. Because I, I thought he was kind of just no, doing this. she didn't see him. Doing a little distracting. She thing. didn't see him, I didn't think. He came out in front of her car and was waving his hands. Oh, okay. I could have sworn it after. I thought after, so first, but the second time we watched, I don't think she saw him. Okay. I thought that she just kind of glanced and he seen him. And her. he was kind of like, kind of giving her a little wave. No, because yeah. she acted startled when he ran out. In the, okay, maybe in that's what her. it was. I could have sworn that he, she's kind of just seen him out of the corner of her eye. But anyway, after the military guys leave and let her by, that's when Cornelius comes out, and she, you know, tells, you know, he tells her uh, that Zira is in labor, and and uh, they need, you know, yeah, she he needs didn't her. mean to kill that man. Yeah, and he and he seems distraught that that man yeah, was killed. He didn't know? mean to. Yeah, because uh, she tells him that that man's dead, and he says, "I didn't mean to do it. It was an accident." And, and it was. And yeah, you know, she believes him. She believes him because you know Cornelius isn't a guy that seems to have a very you know violent tendencies no. at all. And she says, "Well, I have an idea. I think that will help." Yeah. And you know Cornelius gets in the car, and then they drive off. And then we cut to uh, what is a circus here. And this is where we meet uh, one of my favorite characters, Armando. You know, this is where I think this is where Dr. Dixon is there. Armando just comes out and he says, so you expect me hold up these fugitive uh, apes away from these uh, people and everything. How can you, you know, you're asking me this. And he says, 100%. Yes, I will do it. He's all about it. Yeah, he's all about it. Because this is a man, you can tell he just loves animals. animals. He loves his, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he loves the chimps. He loves Mm -hmm. the elephants. He loves all of He's just an animal lover. So they brought Zara there. She's still in labor. And And attractions are like four minutes apart. And Armando, there's a cage over there near, and there's this uh, ape, uh, Eloise. Mm-hmm. She what, has a baby. She has a baby chimp. And uh, Zira is, uh, you know, kind of talking to this little chimp and saying, Mama. Mama. Yeah. Yeah, trying to teach him how to speak. Yeah, but then Cornelius like, well, they don't have the capacity that we do yeah. yet and everything. Yeah. And she says, well, I'm just practicing. And Armando says, yes, this is one of the first chips born in the circus and everything, and which will play into something later on, which uh, Sherry did not like. Then we cut to um, Zira's baby was born. Yep, she gets to hold her baby. Yeah. This is a real chimp. Yeah, this is a real chimp. And by all accounts, uh, a very body chimp, uh, because they said that, uh, I remember reading in a book where, this chimp, whenever you held him, you had to have some extra padding on you because he would, he, try to bite he you? would want to bite wow. at times. Uh, they said it didn't seem like it was malicious biting, but it's just, just like, yeah, just playing. They call it, they name him Milo. Yeah, they named him after uh, Dr. Milo, who uh, the departed Milo. <laughs> and Armando goes up to uh, Cornelius and congratulates him and hands him a cigar. You know, uh, Cornelius, I don't think, I don't know if Cornelius has he ever had one, but, but he uh, takes a puff <laughs> off of it, like, hmm, yeah. <laughs> And then this is, uh, you know, Armando is sitting there with uh, Zira, who's holding her baby, and he gives uh, Zira a pendant. It's a St. Francis a pendant. It's like a protector of all animals. And he, yeah. 
you can tell just how Armando is just a very compassionate person. You know, he mm-hmm. just, you know, and you can tell that Zira and Cornelius warmed to him very quickly. Yeah, and this scene is very important, him putting that necklace around that baby's neck. Yeah. Cornelius and Zira thank him, and they said that they will be forever grateful to mm-hmm. him for what he's done for them. You missed the scene where it went back to Camp 11. I was, that's what I was getting to next right here. Because Hasseline is with the military, some of the military people, and he just can't figure out, like, where where could they went? Where could they went? And Lewis is telling him he thinks that Zero's baby will be born in the next five to ten days. So he leaves out the fact that that baby's already been born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he doesn't of, want them to know that. Yeah, he doesn't want them to know at all. Then one of the military people just kind of comes up with something offhand, and it kind of brings them to a circus. Searching all the local circuses, zoos. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Lewis has got an expression on his face like, Uh-oh. oh no. Yeah, yeah. Then we cut a short time later back, and I guess uh, uh, he got the information to Armando that the military is going to be coming. He tells uh, Zero and Cornelius, he said, they're going to be coming. Y'all got to go. They're going to leave. I think he talks about, you know, how he was going to uh, going to travel to Florida with them. And then they could have just went out into the Everglades and just lived the rest of their lives in peace. Mm-hmm. And, but I think the plan is to still just have them go into hiding at the shipyard. Yeah. And then after the military comes and sees they're not there, then Cornelius and Zero come back to the circus. And then they just all leave then. You know, let mm-hmm. the military check them out. And if everything's all up and up. I don't know where you put the scene where I had that what you were just saying was after Zero took her baby in there to meet the other chimp. That's next. That is next. Because as they're getting ready to leave, Zero says, well, can I say goodbye to Eloise? And the baby. And the baby. Because, they, you know, she says, I kind of got a little bit of a connection with them and everything. And I like to say goodbye. And they're not sure. And then uh, they, uh, Zira goes into the cage, and they're sitting there. And it's almost like her and Eloise are kind of looking, looking at, at each, each other. other like yeah. like they're, they're communicating something to each other. Mm-hmm. But you're not really sure what it is. When we cut to a scene where Lewis and Dr. Uh, Dr. Lewis and Dr. Brenton drop off the apes out into the, you know, out in near a wooded area. And he gives Cornelius a map, kind of shows him the way to the, sh- the shipyard. Because he yeah. said, I used to play there a lot when I was a kid, and it'd be a good place for y'all to hide until we come and get you. Like, lay low, and then we'll go back to the circus. Cornelius yeah. tells Lewis that he thinks they will be killed if they get found. And he asks for Lewis to give them a gun to help them kill themselves if they have to. But I think before this, or after this, this is when Zero walks up to Lewis and says, I've only kissed one human before. And then she gives Lewis a kiss. And then Cornelius is like, oh, well, when in Rome, you know, he walks over to Dr. Brenton and he says, you're the only human I've kissed. And then he kisses her. And then, you know, it's like I said, and then that's as they're walking away. That's I think that's when he asks about the gun. Oh, yeah. He says, uh, if they find us, we will be killed. Right. Yeah. He knows. Yes. He knows that they don't intend to leave them alive. And he says, well, can you give us something so we can end it ourselves instead of letting it happen that way? Lewis says, sure. So apparently Lewis is already packing heat anyway. <laughs> so yeah. He's a, he's an American. So he's already packing heat, and he gives uh, Cornelius the gun. And they uh, and then next we cut to uh, the military people are at Armando's uh, zoo. 
looking around and Armando is just like showing him around and he's just bragging on things like yes this is the first chimp that was born in captivity and these military people just don't give a shit they're they're looking for chimps but not that one well he tells them that baby was born 16 days ago yeah 16 days ago yeah yeah he says this is his mother born just 16 days ago so they'll know okay that's not the chimp yeah that's not the one we're looking for the military just like "Ah, they're not here they're not here you know they (laughs) they they call the area and they leave then we kind of cut to Hasseline and who is just upset that they lost them. You know, he can't figure out where, where they would be now. And then we cut to Cornelius and Zira. They're going through an oil field. Uh, and I guess they're kind of following their map and they're like, oh, okay, the shipyard is just over, over this way. And Zira does something that I still find kind of odd, that she loses her bag. She just ha- tries to hide her bag. Well, the baby starts crying, and she wants to hold him closer to her, comfort him, but she can't carry in that bag, so she just kind of puts it down in this little, Uh, in the equipment. Yeah, so it can't be. Yeah, and then she just walks off. Yeah, because I remember, it's been a long time since I read the novelization of this, and I got it, but it was, the military finds them from this bag, of course, but it was done differently in the book. It was a homeless man. Who spots them, spots um, them, and uh, uh, and alerts the military to it. But yeah, I just I guess that must make sense because yeah, if she's holding that bag, it's gonna be kind of hard for her to. She's cradling the, the baby in her arm, but she wants to hold him long ways. Yes. and she can't hold him. Yeah, I can and see carry that. that bag at the same time. Yeah, I can see that. But it's just kind of odd to me how they were uh, militaries able to find this bag so quickly because the next scene, the military is all over this area where that bag is. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's very quick that they found this. How they found this in such a quick time, I do not know. But you have to kind of make that little leap of logic, I guess. Hasselon is just kind of looking around here. Like, you know, yeah. as they're standing around, they're like, where would they be going from here? And then I think he spots where that shipyard area right. is. And he's yeah. like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. they're, that's there. where they're yeah. headed in that direction. You know, Hasselon gets in his car and he makes his way toward the shipyard yeah and it's, it shows a scene of stevie running in to tell lewis that the army has found zero suitcase yeah so yeah. they leave out yeah they head out as to well try to go intervene and get them out of there before they're found of course hasseline gets there before they do he uh, gets a pair of binoculars and he goes up on some higher ground there and just kind of scans around the shipyard just looking around to see what he can see and sure enough, he spots Cornelius. Cornelius walking around. So he is there. Then we cut to Cornelius. He goes back in there with uh, Zira. Zira's there with the little baby, and she's just sitting there, and she talks about how this place smells <laughs> and everything. And she and Cornelius like, well, you know, when he was a little child and he played here, maybe it was a little more, you know, yeah. a little more clean than it is now. Uh, and a kind of conversation comes around like, you know, don't really trust in humans. And she says, well, Zira says, I've met many humans in my life and I've only trusted three. That that says a lot right there. Technically, wouldn't that be four? Well, yeah. Taylor, yeah. Armando, Stevie, and Dr. Dixon. Because mm-hmm. those are really the only people that mm-hmm. have been of help and have been so I was wondering why she said three. Yeah. And I guess Brant didn't count because, yeah. you know, <laughs> poor Brant. He's not even mentioned in this movie. You know, but, uh, yeah, Brant's like, man, he's collateral damage. We didn't care about him. You know, of course, after Hasseline has discovered the apes, he goes back to his car 
and he pops the trunk and he pulls a pistol out of the trunk. Yeah. Like, no. So so we're moving our way toward a happy ending here, oh, everybody. No. <laughs> and this is um um this is another almost war of the planet of the apes situation <laughs> where Sherry was just all kinds of upset. War for the Planet of the Apes was a interesting viewing experience when I took Sherry to see that one. <laughs> Because she stayed upset during that entire movie. At least this movie, for the most part, she was happy up until we get to this last point. And we will get into why here very shortly. We cut to after Hasselin has his gun and he's making his way into the to the ship. I guess where he spotted where Cornelius was. And you see Zara kind of lay down with the baby. Yeah, she's the baby's tired and she's going to lay down with the yeah. baby and get a little bit of rest herself. Hasselin is making his way through the ship. You know, he's got his gun drawn. And he's walking around, and he makes his way to a door, and it's locked. So what he does is he kind of kicks the door open, and the door makes a loud banging noise. Bangs against the wall. And the ape wakes up, a little chimp, baby chimp wakes well, up. Well, the baby was always awake. She wakes up. Yeah, she, oh, yeah, that's right. The, yeah, the baby's baby. just kind of looking around the whole time. He wasn't ready for a nap. Yeah. She calls out to Cornelius, because I guess she thought maybe it was him banging around. Yeah. And no one answers her. And then she gets the baby up and she kind of leaves. She goes outside and she runs into yeah. Dr. Hasseline. Yeah, Hasseline is up there. And he pulls a gun on her and he wants the baby. Yeah, he wants the baby. He she says, runs. Yeah. And uh, then outside we see Chopper starting to approach the ship. Zero is like running around in there calling for Cornelius. And she doesn't know where he is. And yeah. And then outside... Police and military start showing up. Cornelius is up there near the top of the ship, and then he notices the chopper, and then the chopper sees him up there. Dr. Hasselin, he's hiding because he knows. He ain't supposed to be he's there. He's not supposed to be there doing what he is. No, no, he's not supposed to be yeah, there. Yeah, because they would try to stop him. Yeah, yeah, he's not supposed to be there for Yeah, this. he's going rogue from the committee. Yeah, because you notice that he's hiding whenever that chopper mm-hmm. and everything starts to show up. And Cornelius is up there, and he sees... Um, the chopper and he kind of hides down but then the people on the chopper spot him of course he also seen stevie and lewis arriving yeah they, their car pulls up as well mm-hmm. zero sees them too and yeah and she starts calling for them yeah because i mean that's the only people they trust you yeah, know yeah that's the only people that's really been good to them so here. she kind of heads back out to try to to get to, to get to them and dr hasline she runs into him. Yeah, and he pulls wants his gun. He wants the baby. He says, give me that baby. And then she's like, no. And she runs, and then she's shot in the back. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. She's shot in the back, and then the baby falls. <laughs> and, I wanted to cry. And the Hasseline just sits there and just and, pumps like three or four bullets into this, oh, in this wrapped up baby in a baby. little bank, in a blanket. And I'm just like, wow. I, was I like, wow. screeched. I was like, no! <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember that. <laughs> because It didn't show anything, but I was just like, no! <laughs> no, you just seen a little bundle on, oh, on the floor, no. and, that, and Hasselin just shoots that baby. I knew as soon as he grabbed that gun, they were going to, something was going to happen. Yeah. Cornelius, not a violent person by nature, but he takes Dr. Hasselin and just shoots him right in the chest. Dr. Hasselin falls off, in, the, falls off the boat. He's dead. Yeah. Yeah, he's dead. Good. Yeah. And then that's about the time Cornelius is standing there with the gun and there's snipers on the other side of there and they fire at Cornelius. And they shoot him. And they shoot Cornelius. 
And he falls off the top of the thing onto the ground. Yeah, and he's he's, he's dead. Yeah, Zira is barely alive now. She takes the remnants of the baby, which was just mowed down, <laughs> and just drops them into the kind of oily water. And then she crawls over to Cornelius and just lays on him and dies. Yeah, I was telling you this whole scene reminded me of King Kong. Yeah, and I didn't think about that till you just How said How they kind of trapped him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he was trying to keep her and protect her. Yeah. And, you know, you had these group of people that were there that didn't want him dead. But then you had all these people that wanted him dead. It just reminded me, especially the scene where Cornelius falls yeah. off the thing because yeah. he makes this noise. Yeah, like he's like yeah, he's like he shot just, in the chest and lost his breath, and he's like doing this yeah. really heavy breathing, gurgling. Yeah, yeah, and then he falls. Yeah, it reminded me of King Kong. I didn't think about that till you said yeah. that, but I could definitely see that. It makes complete sense. And like I said, they just lay there and they die, and then you know we kind of just move out from the frame. I was like, no. Yeah, and that was the sad. That's it was a very sad ending. But you know, I love Cornelius and Zira, and to see them die like that—that that was very upsetting to me when I was a kid. But then we cut to the, the circus. circus. They're packing up to leave. Yeah, they're packing up to leave. Armando is kind of just directing people, saying, "Hurry, let's let's get everything together so that we can move on to our next location." And as uh, he's walking back, a little cage rolls by, and then there's a, a, a little baby chimp. And, and what is he wearing? Yeah, he's wearing a little pendant. He says, you know, your mother and father are smart. You're smart, and you hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, basically saying, you know, you'll grow up to be as good as your mother and so father. So she switched. Yeah, switched to Milo with the poor, unfortunate little baby. Yeah. That was killed. So I guess, in a way, she really gave up her baby, yeah. uh, Zira. Yeah. She gave up her her baby, and it would allow that other mother to have a baby. Well, but keep him safe. Well, and I think, in all honesty, I know I've heard some people say this was a malicious thing on Zira's part, but I think she didn't really think they would kill the baby. I thought there was a chance always that they were going to kill the baby. I mean, but... or maybe she didn't think that they was going to. I don't think it was malicious. I think the the look between the two female, they knew what they needed to do. Yeah, the, yeah. She was communicating with her somehow that, look, this baby's really important. Yeah. Let me take your baby. You raise Milo. Yeah. But I, I'm anxious to see the next one where, you know, because I kind of figured he would be Caesar in yeah. some way. Yeah, but, well, we get that right here after Armando walks away because what does the baby start saying? Mama. Mama. With the, Mama. With the frame of the film flipping out back because... I know, it, it was they, creepy. Yeah, they couldn't, do, they couldn't do CGI. Mama. But, yeah, that's all we hear. We hear Mama, 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 Mama as we fade to black over the words Mama. Next, we will get Milo, who grows up to be Caesar. I figured yeah. he would be Caesar somehow. And we will be going into my favorite sequel. The fourth one. Yeah, the fourth one. So, but that is uh, the end of Escape from Planet of the Apes. Yeah. These movies just never have good endings. No. Um, And the next one, how can I explain it? It's not a good ending, but it's a satisfying ending. Ah, okay. Yeah. But I guess uh, from here, we will jump into a little bit of trivia. Um, And uh, I got about four or five things here, so I'm just kind of curious. I'll let you go ahead and read yours first, or do you want me to do mine? I can just do a couple. Yeah, go right ahead. 
Um, of all five, all five original Planet of the Apes movies were number one at the U.S. box office when released. Escape from the Planet of the Apes spent one week at the as the top number one grossing film the week of May 23rd, 1971. And then with Beneath the Planet of the Apes doing well at the box office, producer Arthur Jacobs sent a telegram to writer Paul Dale, Dean, 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 four months after the film's release, which simply said, Apes Exist, sequel required. I had that written down on mine. I said, that's probably the most direct, that's the most direct thing you'll ever get. I had that written down myself. It's like, we got a moneymaker. So good luck with that because the previous film, The Planet, blew up. So figure it out. Scenes of Zira mistaking a toothbrush for a hairbrush and of Cornelius and Lewis playing golf were in an early version of the script but were not used in the actual movie. I mean, those are just things that... Yeah, those are just little scenes that weren't necessary. That'd been cool to see. I like to see Cornelius out there in a little golfing outfit and everything with the little little pants and everything on <laughs> golfing. I would like to see that, but yeah. This marked Kim Hunter's third time playing Zira making her the only actor to play the same character in three films in the original Planet of the Apes series. Yeah. Let's do one more. If you watch all of the first five original Planet of the Apes films in strict in-story chronology, this one actually takes place before all the others. Yeah, it does. Because the next one takes place 20 years after this one. That's in the future of 1991. But So that's all you have? Uh, this is the... Um, remember when we were talking about the makeup on Sal... Minio, yeah. Minio found yeah. the makeup process very uncomfortable because of his claustrophobia. In an interview, he stated that it was tiring and hard. Kim Hunter said in an interview that she and Roddy McDowell had to hug Milo a lot to console him. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, him because yeah, I heard Sal Minio. He the the makeup was very uncomfortable. That's why I always kind of wonder if maybe that's why he was written out of film so early is because you know the makeup was just too much. Which I could, uh, I guess I could kind of understand because you're under that appliances all day. Yeah. And it's very constricting. Yeah. Cause you, it's very, you almost start feeling like you can't breathe. Yeah. So I could see if you're claustrophobic mm-hmm. where that would be a problem. For I'll you. do one more. Natalie Trundy, who played Dr. Stephanie Branton, was married in real life to one of the film's producers, Arthur B. Jacobs. Yes. He produced all five of the original eight movies and she appeared in four of them yeah. in different yeah. Kinds of roles. Yeah, she's a, she's an ape in the next two movies. Yeah. Cool. That's so. all I'm going to do. Okay. Um, like I said, you took one of mine. Oh, I'm but, sorry. But it's all right. I still got some other ones I can do here. Uh, the film was shot in 35 days, and they had around a $2 million budget, which was significantly smaller. The budgets on these films got smaller as they went along. Not more. Or not even the same. Because I think Beneath the Planet of the Apes was 2.5. This one was around two. And I think the next one is 1.5. But uh, it made $12 million on its release. So actually a nice little profit considering the money they put into it. The original title of the film was Secret of the Planet of the Apes. Which I guess you could kind of see that in a way because, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of... Zero Cornelius is kind of trying to keep the Planet of the Apes secret. And we got a little ape coming in. Yeah, a little whiny ape. And there was, uh, of course, some scene. There was a scene shot. <laughs> Are you done? She's. I'm just going to interrupt everybody. Yeah, I'm going to be. I'm going to be very uh, intrusive. But there was a scene shot of the apes actually escaping the planet. Oh, yeah. Because I was wondering why they chose to do that. 
I think I know why. They and, didn't know that was going to happen. And, and Kim Hunter, I think, explains why that scene wasn't in the movie. Because there was a scene that was shown that... Well, she said she remembered shooting some scenes inside of a spacecraft kind of set thing that they'd made. It was supposed to show them in space in the ship. And as they were leaving, they see where the planet is blowing up behind oh. them. And there was a scene that was supposed to be shot like that. But I think I know why they yeah. didn't use it. Because huh. it was more interesting to see where it starts. Because you see the ship. And you're like, what's going on? And then you see these people come out. It's even more confusing. Now, if you would have seen them escape, you would already know there's apes. But it was more interesting to see these people step out. And you're like, who is this? And then all of a sudden you take it off and it reveals them. See, I think it works better this mm -hmm. way. But I can kind of see where yeah. they would have shot that. But yeah. they said they shot it, but they never used it. The original deaths for Cornelius and Zero were a little more brutal than oh. what was here. Uh, basically... They were to be torn apart by dogs. <gasps> no. Yeah, from what I remember no, hearing. I'm glad they didn't go that because way. Because something about like Zero's trying to protect their baby, and these like these trained dogs were sent on them, and uh, it's going to kill. You know, oh. basically rip them apart. Oh, but no. and I was just like, No, don't do that. Yeah, it's bad enough already. You don't need to <laughs> make no. it even more difficult. Because I'm just like. And I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't try it because you got to remember this movie's rated G, just like the previous movie yeah. was. And in this yeah. movie, they could shoot a little baby chimp right there. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. That was bad enough. Yeah, but in the last movie, Brent is like mowed down with Damn. a machine gun and shot in the head. I was and, like, whoa. And it, that movie was rated G, and you end with the planet being blown up. Probably <laughs> the most bleak G movie ever made. Dang. But yeah, that was uh, some of what the original ending was going to be until they thought, maybe we need to no, dial this back. Don't do that. Yeah, we need to dial this back a I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense to send dogs out to find them, yeah, to track yeah, them. Yeah, but I think they kind of said, yeah. well, maybe we need to ease back on this a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I don't blame them. That, that was, I mean, the deaths are already a little too harsh for me anyway because I like those characters a lot. So last thing I want to see them is being ripped apart by dogs. And uh, one of my little final things is I know Kim Hunter was talking about how they were doing this commission scene. And she said that they weren't in the scene and they were having to talk. They weren't going to wear their makeup originally. You know, because the camera wasn't on them anyway. Oh, okay. You know, so they could just feed their lines to the other ones. And then they said her and Roddy McDowell was doing that. And they realized. They sound different. They sound different. And they acted different because they weren't in the ape uh, makeup. So then they had to get in their makeup. And they and her and Roddy McDowell talked about it. And they said, yeah, we probably ought to be just keep our makeup yeah. on for this. Because they said they didn't feel like Cornelius and Zero mm -hmm. if they weren't in the makeup. They said they felt like Roddy and, Z and uh, <laughs> Kim Hunter. So they said, no, we need to kind of do this because they said the readings didn't feel right. And I yeah. thought that was pretty interesting well, to hear that. because Staying true to character. Yeah, and, it, and when you're in the makeup... You mm -hmm. are in that character. You know, I don't know. I've heard some actors say that. They say you find a character when you got a certain coat on or when you got yeah. a certain thing on. Yeah. And I guess for them, it's like if you're not into ape makeup, you're not them. I thought that was pretty interesting to read that because she talks, you know, she talked about, you know, how 
the makeup was rough on her too, but she was willing to do that to mm -hmm. help the film out because she wasn't a fan of makeup like Minio was either, but she was able to tolerate it more. But I guess uh, pretty much as far as trivia, that kind of wraps it up for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you uh, go into your final thoughts because I have to admit, I'm very curious to hear what you think of this one. Well, I think this one continued on being just good to me as the other two. Yeah. Um, I was pretty tired watching it, and I, th I thought, oh, I wasn't really looking forward to doing the podcast because I was kind of tired, yeah. but yeah. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I mean, it continued on with the bad endings, <laughs> and I hated to see Zara and, and Cornelius die, but at least Milo lived. I remember you, wasn't our first, it was our first viewing of this. I think you said something like, they don't kill that baby, do they? <laughs> And I was like, well, and you were like, oh, no. And I, yeah, you I were all. I just had a oh. feeling they were going to kill him. Yeah. Which I think is horrible because that other gorilla, I mean, that other chimp lost her baby. I know she gets to keep Milo, but. Yeah. Why does he get to be the sacrifice? Well, I think it was he just. He to live, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in some ways, I always still feel like maybe Zira didn't think that maybe. I think Zira almost kind of felt like they were going to kill them and keep the baby. And not kill the baby, but Hasselin. But she wouldn't have switched him if she felt that. Well, I think she knew for sure that her baby would be protected. And I thought maybe she kind of felt like if they got her baby, and maybe if they seen that the baby wasn't smart. Yeah, but continue. I interrupted you. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, it makes me, you know, anxious to watch the next one. Yeah. Which I think you said you plan on doing. Yes. This year sometime. Sit it in somewhere. I'm almost considering doing the next one and the last one. Maybe do the Conquest as a regular episode, then doing Battle as a bonus episode. Just doing both in one month and just oh, have an Apes okay. double feature. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I'm considering that. I don't know if we'll yeah. have the time to do that, but I think maybe that's a possibility to do mm, Yeah. I, I mean, I, we, we can... <laughs> Cross that bridge when we come to it. Well, but, we we can look at the list and see where we can yeah. maybe put them and yeah, I mean, switch we can, around. Yeah, we can see see about doing that, but keep going. But yeah, I you know I I hated to see that happen to Cornelius and Zara. I was hoping they would go the whole all the movies. I mean, I guess they were just kind of caught in the middle. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. Yeah, and really, technically, what happened to them? could have happened to Taylor, but they protected him. And I mean, I know he ended up being killed in the end, but yeah. I'm talking about in the first one, he was allowed to at least escape and move on and find him a woman. And he lived with her for a little bit, I guess. Yeah. You don't really know the space yeah. of time between the original and beneath, but I'm going to say it was probably maybe a few weeks to a month. Yeah. Something like that. So it wasn't too long, I don't think. Yeah. So I, I hated that, you know, but there's always that kind of villain, even though... He's kind of a villain. He's kind of not. He's he's kind of one of those people that he's willing to sacrifice life to save life. The whole needs of the many outweigh the needs of the right. few kind of thing. You know, we talked about this in Terminator too. What would you do? Would you kill that one person to save the world? You know, we talked about this before. Mm -hmm. And we got another movie coming up in a few months where we'll talk about this again. <laughs> it's a theme. Yeah, it's a theme. <laughs> And, it, and it's really, you know, you see in a lot of movies where they they get not as good the more they go on. Yeah. But I think so far they're holding to me. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've said before, 
you're not going to beat the original. No. The original is still head and shoulders above. You know, and I like Beneath. I like the second half of Beneath more than I like the first half of it Mm -hmm. because the first half still feels like it's just uh, retreading the first movie. But once you get into the stuff with the mutants and the Mm -hmm. apes going in, I think it gets more interesting. The one thing I can say about this series for the most part is each film is different. They are. Than the previous one. Mm -hmm. And this one, like I said, it just takes the original film and flips it. I mean, it has its kind of centered society things that Mm -hmm. it deals with in each movie. But, you know, and I think that it was interesting the way that they were able to actually do this movie. Yeah. With the way the last one ended. I mean, that wasn't, you know, out of the ordinary that he went forward 2,000 years. Why couldn't they go back? Well, yeah. So, I mean, I didn't even think of that. To tell you the truth, when I watched this when I was a little kid, <laughs> I was curious myself. I was like, how are they going to do this? Mm-hmm. Because when the planet blew up and I was like, there's three more of these? Yeah, the, it <laughs> you, would, you, you would have to go back to a time where Earth still existed. Yeah, or do a prequel yeah. or some kind or something yeah. like that, which technically this one is. I think uh-huh. you said in the trivia because this one takes place before mm-hmm. the other one. So technically it is a prequel in yeah. some ways. I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought, you know. It's own thing. Yeah. You know, it held its, you know, number third place. We can do this really quick before you do your final uh, rating. Where does this rank for you as far as the sequels? Do you like this one more than Beneath or less than Beneath? I like this one better than Beneath. Yeah. But the ending of Beneath was better to me. Oh, or the planet and everything. Just everything that happened. It was more shocking. Yeah. Even though this was shocking too, but... I kind of felt, I felt it coming that this was going to happen. Oh, in this yeah. one, you mean? when all these guns were just getting, you know, everybody had a gun. I thought, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as Cornelius walked off and left her, I knew. And Hesseline was there yeah. with his gun. Yeah. That yeah. He, she was going to probably be killed. Yeah. I, I didn't know that Cornelius would be, too. Yeah, well, you know, Cornelius, you know, he, he popped a cap in Hesseline, and that was pretty much Cornelius may have just killed himself. If he saw her and the baby get killed, he'd have just killed it. That's what I'm thinking he would have done, It wouldn't have been too. any reason yeah. for him to stay. No, no. Because I know you could tell that he genuinely loved his wife and mm-hmm. you know, he loved his child, too. Even yeah. though that technically wasn't his child. No. And it makes me wonder if Cornelius knew that that switch was made. I don't know. Yeah, you just don't really know for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's never said if Cornelius was in on this ruse or not. Because was he there when he put that necklace around that baby? I think he was there. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure either. It just makes me wonder if Cornelius knew. Where did his necklace go? Yeah, I'm just assuming maybe he knew. It never had a scene where she told him or he said anything about it. Because I think they were kind of keeping that secret to the end. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I read the novelization. I can't remember if that's mentioned in the novelization or not. It's not really jumping out at me right offhand. But yeah, I mean, do you have any other things to say anything else that jumps out at you i am really anxious to see milo slash caesar well you know see how much older he is like what happens i think in a movie he's supposed to be around 20 okay and roddy mcdowell plays caesar oh yeah so uh he plays his own dad and he plays (laughs) his son too wow yeah so and it is great performance by him in that movie i mean i I almost won't talk about the movie now i love that one so much it's so good i mean i almost watched it after we watched this one Mm 
mm -hmm. that evening later on i almost put in conquest again because to watch it just because i love it so much yeah, guys, as you know as soon as i found seen that necklace i was like oh she switched that baby Milo's alive! Uh, yep, yep, and he's uh, going to become Caesar in the next yeah. film. And the, like I said, in the future of 1991. But, wow. Yeah, so, uh, but I guess as far as on this one, do you have any other things to no, say? Anything? Enjoyed it. Okay, well, uh, I guess um, out of one to ten glasses of grape juice plus, <laughs> one being the worst, ten being the best, where does this one fall for you? An eight. An eight, yep, that's a solid mm -hmm. number right there. Yeah. To tell you the truth, I was kind of expecting that's what you would give us when I thought yeah. I'd, I thought I'd hear. There about wasn't much it. about it I didn't like, other than they just shot that freaking baby up. Yeah, well, and her. Well, if you did like that part, I would have to question you a great deal. <laughs> if you were like, "Yay, the baby died," I'd be like, oh. "I just, I just put my hand over my eyes. I couldn't stand it. I was yeah. like, no. Yeah, it's, it's a hor it's a horrifying thing. No. It's, it's horrifying. But yeah, I mean, like I said, that's. Pretty much the rating I thought you would give. I'm not too surprised by that one. Yeah. But I guess uh, going into mine, to start out, this is another very solid sequel. This is just a very good sequel. And like you said yourself, usually as a movie series goes on, it gets they get worse. You know, the sequels, by the time you hit part three, you're like, okay. They're just crap. You yeah, know? yeah. But this one right here, in almost some ways, it could be almost a standalone movie. Mm hmm you know, I mean, it would help to watch the other ones to get more of yeah. a context on what happened. But in a way, you could almost watch this as just a movie itself. I mean, of course, the performances are very good. You yeah. know, Roddy McDowell, Kim Hunter, everybody's good in a movie. Yeah. And, you know, you just love Cornelius and Zero so much. As I said, it just makes that ending just even more of a, like a gut punch, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, but, you know, and the directing is good. I mean, it's very, I mean, it's very economical in a way because, you know, they didn't have a lot of money, so it's not very flashily directed. You know, there's not a lot of great camera work or anything. It's just like, let's tell the story. Mm -hmm. Let's not get too flashy yeah. here, which I can understand. They didn't have the money to do that. You know, just the bleakness of it is just something that still blows me away about these two sequels. You know, Beneath was just the whole planet blows up so everybody dies yeah. in that one and this one right here you have a baby that's just you know gangster style <laughs> shot <laughs> you know oh my God. yeah and that's just so horrifying and then you know zero's basically shot in the back oh, just no. shoot a woman right in the back oh, no. and you know cornelius is killed by them snipers and like i said it's just the only hope you have at the end of this one is you know the baby actually the you know, little baby Milo. I'm anxious to see how truthful Dr. Hasseline might have been yeah. with Caesar. You'll see. You'll see. I can't wait. Yeah. And I don't know. I just love this one is once again, it's a movie that raises questions um, about, you know, just gives you stuff to think about. I mean, it gives you these questions like, you know, uh, should we judge? Say, should we judge another species for in inhumanity, for example, when humans do the things that to animals like that, they're just as bad. It's like, you know, should Zira have been judged for that on her planet? Because Hasseline judged her, even though, you know, humans did that on here all the time, mm -hmm. you know, so why, what gave him the right to judge? 
yeah. what makes him the right judge, jury, and executioner on mm-hmm. this? Well, we see it all the time with when an animal attacks a human because that human was doing something to their family or their herd or or whatever it is, and then who pays the price? Yeah. The animal. Yeah, the, the person for, isn't scolded for this. For what they did. What was that one thing? This happened a number of years ago where this little kid was playing fell around in and the, fall into this eight cage, cage. The gorilla, I don't think, really hurt the child. It just dragged the child around. He was being rough with him. Yeah. Um, but he didn't, I guess they just didn't know if he was. Yeah. But instead of taking the time, to, I guess they didn't want to take risk the chance of the, him killing the little kid by tranquilizing the gorilla. Yeah. They chose to kill him. And to me, I just have to question of like, instead of killing the ape, why not get that stupid child? Specifically, I've been to zoos and it tells you, do not get close to this cage. Do not go mm-hmm. into this cage. There's well, been people just caught getting into these cages. Well, a lot of times it's this parent putting them over, sitting them on the yeah. gate. Yeah. And they fall. There was one time, I think, where there was this person who actually got in the cage. Oh, I know. There's and dummies then, all the time. And then they killed the like human. That. I'm just like, are you... Are, and they killed the animal. And I'm just like, why not, you know... You get in their space. Yeah. And then they pay the price for you being an idiot. Yeah, there you go. And I'm just like, why not make... Yeah, sterilize the human that did that. <laughs> you know, or something, for example. Do something... I mean, to me, you know, you've got these animals in captivity... You've got them like that. Don't jump in there with them. I know. And I don't understand why the animals have to suffer. But that's, you know, that's kind of just, we could go around in circles on that all day. But it just, you know, I just found it interesting in this movie where Zero was basically being charged for something that humans did to people of their kind of species. Right. And other animals. And other animals. So, I mean, it just gives you that kind of thing to think about. Is that right? You know, some people would say probably so, Mm -hmm. you know, different time, different circumstance. But, you know, like I said, but you can't really judge her. But it's a society thing. It's almost like you accept it as normal in your society. Yeah. Yeah. It may or not be right, but. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I I don't know. So I said, that's just something you can just go around in a circle on. I mean, there's some people that would probably say, yes, she should be. And others say, no, she shouldn't be. You know, I mean, I kind of fall into that like, no, because in her society, in her time, that's just how things work. I'm team ape. Human suck. Yeah. Well, this movie pretty much, these movies for the most part, you'll have a few good humans, maybe a couple, two or three. You yeah. know, like uh, this this one we just watched. You had Armando, who was awesome. And then you had the two uh, Dixon and a... But you can Brandon. say that also Dr. Hasselon was almost Dr. Zayas. In some ways. Dr. Zayas is kind of wanting to do the same thing to Taylor. Yeah. To save the apes. Yeah, you know? yeah in a way he was. I he mean, didn't want just the thought of Taylor being there and being able to speak the, set him off. Yeah, I mean, I could see that in a certain way. Yeah, I mean, in certain they aspects. They mirrored each other. Yeah, in certain aspects yeah. they were. They mm-hmm. were very similar in certain ways. I agree. I mean, it's just like I said. I mean, these are these are one of the things I love about these movies is because it gives you questions that, that it raises questions that don't they don't give you the answers to them. I mean, stuff, for example, there's another thing I got to think about. Does the human, say anybody in the human race, have the right to keep themselves as the dominant species? 
to do what's necessary or do, or do you allow natural selection to run its own course? Like did Dr. Hesselin have the right to do what he did or should he have just said, well, let's just let human, let's just let things evolve as they evolve. Because here's where I have to ask this question here. If they would have let the apes live in peace and everything were to go in peace and harmony, would things have went the way they did? Like when you see in the first movie where humans were, you know, couldn't speak and were the animals. If they, if humans and the apes coexisted and lived together as equals, do you think things would have went the way they did in the first no, movie? because they weren't treating Zara and Cornelius like who they were, like yeah. peaceful. I don't think they would have raised their child to be any different than who they were. I think it's just that, you know, feeling of wanting to be the majority and not wanting anything else near that to even question, you know, what's right or wrong. I don't personally think that that would have happened. I think Zara and Cornelius would have been that really perfect kind of crossover to be peaceful with each other. Yeah, because Cornelius and Zara weren't violent people. No, they weren't gorillas. Yeah, they weren't the gorillas. And to me, I think if they would just let them live they and coexisted. lived in society with them. I do kind of feel like that the world maybe wouldn't have turned out like it was. Here's where I stand a little bit differently on that. Humans always find a way to fuck things up. That's true. I don't really think it yeah. would have. Because you got this group of people over here coexisting, not bothering anybody. And then you got this group over here that just feel like that group's going to do something. Yes. But they haven't shown that they are ever going to do anything like that. Mm -hmm. But they have it in their head. Yeah. And then dangerous stuff happens. We're seeing that nowadays. Well, we see that now. And that's yeah. just the thing about it. Because I always ask that question, but then I always come back to what you just said. Yeah. I've said, no, humans will find a way to fuck it up. That's and, true. And people will do that kind I of thing. I agree. And it might not have been the apes that caused it. Yeah, that's true. Other than the fact that eventually they would have had to defend themselves. Yeah, and that's why I know it. And, and I mean, that could have spun it that way. And Hasseline probably... Even though he doesn't know what's going to happen in the next movie, he's dead. Indirectly, what he did in this movie makes what's going to happen happen. But you even seen that in the, the newer movies um, where they were just trying to live in their little tree villages mm -hmm. in peace, yeah. not bothering anybody, and what the humans couldn't let them be. They had to get in their space. Feel threatened by people that had never threatened them. Well, there you go. There you go. So there you go. That's that's the. Uh, I think that's a human quality. That well, mistrusting of anybody that's not like yourself and. Uh, yeah. I know. Oh, I know. Humans yeah. Suck. Yes, they do, and and that's the big takeaway you can take away from these movies. <laughs> but I know, like I said, I mean, uh, and this is a movie in a way that does kind of begin the time loop kind of thing. As you're going to watch the rest of these films, you're going to notice that they start looping in on themselves even more. Oh, really? It just amazes me how they were able to do this from a movie that they intended never to do a sequel from, how it kind of evolved this way. Yeah. 
really, I guess, to kind of sum up my review here, I mean, I always, this film is ultimately kind of a tragedy to me it more is. than anything. It's just a tragic kind of story. And it's really, and I admire Zira in a lot of ways for how she likes to be up front because through the whole movie, she says she hates deceit. She hates deceit. Her being so truthful. Got him in trouble. Ultimately led to their deaths. Yeah. I guess you have to say sometimes, should there be secrets that should just be kept? Yeah, but she also lives in a time where she can say whatever. Until Taylor, she could say whatever she wanted, and it wouldn't hurt anything. Yeah, because once she started trying to defend Taylor at yeah, the hearings, that's when it got. That's when all of a sudden mm-hmm. you started seeing all this uh, division, division, and mm-hmm. all this religious kind of dogma stuff that they had yep. going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. it makes me wonder. I was just sitting thinking about Milo or Caesar. How is he going to find a mate? Well, you'll see in the next movie. Okay. Yeah, you'll see. Well, I want to watch it now. Yeah, well, <laughs> actually, we it. might just watch it regularly and then just do the podcast down the road, you know, so you can actually get your viewing. just be another viewing. Yeah, just be another viewing. Like I said, I guess to kind of sum up to me, this is probably, I like this one more than Beneath. You did? Yeah. But, you know, like I said, I like Beneath. I like the second half more than I like the first half. That's that's my feelings about it. Beneath was kind of like a repeat. Well, that's what yeah, yeah, that's pretty much why I said the first half of Beneath is almost like a condensed version of the first movie. With Brent. Yeah, with Brent instead of uh, <laughs> uh, Taylor. Uh, even though you did have the cool apes in the steam bath scene there with Dr. Zayas and uh, Ursus, you know, which is uh, something I you will never see in a film again, I don't think. That's the first time you'll see that and the last time. This is a very good sequel. This is a, just a very good movie. Mm. And I really, really love this one. Um, Roddy McDowell, like I said, and Kim Hunter, they really hold this movie up. I mean, they're, they're characters. You just can't help but love them. The, the ending really does kick you in the face. <laughs> I mean, it really does. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's a horrible ending. But there was no other way this could have ended, I don't think, judging no, by what happened. They weren't going to let them go. No, no. To sum up, I guess, in mine, and to give my final rating on the uh, 1 to 10 uh, glasses of grape juice plus, I think I'm going to go with you on this one. I'm going to probably go about an 8 on this one, a very high 8, almost a 9, Yep, actually. That's, that's what I would say. This one came very close to nudging up into a 9 for me. I almost said 9, but don't call baby chimps. The only... Um, thing is i have to say about this movie to people who are watching it and if you're watching the series for the first time and i've heard some people have this problem with this movie i said you gotta take the first part of this movie with a kind of a leap in logic yeah you gotta ask yourself okay how did they get that taylor ship out of the water get it fixed get it going and fly it off on the launching pad to get it into space before the planet blew up in the space of time that they had. Some people can't get over that hump when they watch this movie because they're like, how would they do that? How could they do that? I mean, I read a book that explained it. There was this book called Death of the Planet of the Apes where it talks about how Dr. Milo is the one that actually pulled the ship and he was the one working on it. And what he did is he also found Brent's ship. And what he did is he was able to put parts on Taylor's ship that didn't work and parts on Brent's ship and kind of fix it up together. And that's how they got off the planet. But Mm -hmm. there's more to it than that in the book, but I can't remember the specifics. There's some kind of other kind of little war thing going on in the city. Basically, they're in a ship and they're flying it around. 
and then they fly it out into space and that's when the planet blows up. But that's kind of how they explain it in the book. You know, as I said, if you can overcome that little leap right there and just take it for what happens, then you'll enjoy this movie a great deal. I mean, this is just a solid movie and a series and a solid, even kind of standalone if you want to do that. But like I said, that wraps it up for me. Like I said, a very high eight, almost a nine for me on this one. This is one that I just, I love this movie so much. It's just so good. And I guess what we're going to do right here is we're going to shift gears a little bit and we're going to do a top three, which is going to be a little different in some ways than what we normally do. And what I decided to do, each of us are going to do a top three of some films that we love from the years we were born. Mine is 1972 and yours is 1978. And what we're going to do is we're just going to shoot off a few recommendations of films that you know came out the year that we was born that we really like and we feel like you know if you haven't watched them maybe give it give it a look but i guess if anything i will let you uh jump in with your number three and we'll see what you got down there um piranha piranha oh joe dante yeah yeah oh god that's a good movie (laughs) kind of in the jaws kind of you know fear of nature kind of realm a very good movie too and one that they was afraid they were going to get sued on because they thought spielberg would watch it say oh they're trying to copy jaws well it's not really the same thing well spielberg even watched it and said no this isn't a ripoff this is a this is a parody yeah (laughs) he said no this is this is fun i like this so he didn't bother with it after that yeah, I'm a big fan of Piranha. Yeah, stick I, your foot in the water. Yeah, because uh, those those little things in there, boy, they were vicious in that movie. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. They did very well with that movie, too. I really like Piranha a lot. So, And actually, funny thing about that movie, Eric Braden was supposed to be in Piranha. Was he? Yeah, he was supposed to be the doctor in that movie. And he dropped out of the movie because he thought it seemed like it was a very low budget production and it seemed like they didn't have any money to do anything. You can see Eric Braden in one shot where he's swimming up under the water. Oh. That's it. That's the only scene you can Hmm. see. And you can't even tell it's him because he's credited as swimming double in the movie. So that's that's pretty interesting. I didn't think about that. But so that's your number three. Uh Okay, my number three is a film called Horror Express starring uh, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. And this is basically the thing on a train where there's this alien thing on a train and it starts taking over people. Oh, no. This is a Spanish co-production. I think a Spanish and English co-production or British co-production. I can't remember. But this is one I don't really want to talk about too much because I'll probably end up wanting to do this on a podcast at some point. This is just a fun kind of just solid horror movie. Um, if you like the stuff like uh, some of the old school Hammer films and things like that, of course you get Cushing and Lee in there. But it's just a very well done kind of horror thriller to set basically on a train. The whole thing takes place on a train. Uh, you got Telly Savalas in there as a Cossack, which is always interesting for me to see whenever I see that. <laughs> some very kind of gruesome effects for back in the day as well. So, I mean, like I said, Horror Express is one definitely worth checking out. If you haven't seen it, there's a good Blu-ray out from Arrow a video right now that's worth picking up as compared to some of the shitty versions I seen back when I was a kid. You know, there's some great versions of that out yeah. now. So definitely give this one a look because it's well worth your time. But that's my number three. So what do you have for a number two there? 
Um, the Lord of the Rings animated movie. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah, that one's good. I uh, like it. God, Ralph Bakshi, I think, is the guy that did that. That one there is very good. I have that on Blu-ray. The only thing about this one is they didn't finish it. Well, they kind of did, but they did it with another animation. The, thing. Oh, the yeah, the other one. Yeah, the fellas, the um, Return of the King. Return of the King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did finish it, but. It was a different animation thing yeah. that finished it, and it was it didn't a lot more finish low budget. In this no, uh, because didn't they? They did one of the Hobbit mm -hmm. as well, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now I haven't seen that one in a long time, but the one thing I remember about this one that you're talking about is this one kind of creeped me out a little bit when I was yeah. a kid, like the the race, the ring mm -hmm. race or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those kind of kind of creeped me out when I was a little kid. I remember watching it on TV, and I thought this was. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I thought this was a good animated one of Lord of the Rings. And I guess it's the only one we really had up until Peter Jackson did yep. his version, you know, when mm -hmm. those finally came out and kind of set the gold standard for that yeah. after that. But like I said, that, that that's actually a very good pick because I thought that that movie was very well done. And it still holds up now. There wasn't a whole lot that I had seen well, it's 78. this year. Yeah. So I had just kind of... Well, that that the two you made so far are very good choices. Mm -hmm. Those are very good choices, and I, yeah, I remember you watched Piranha with me a couple of times, and you really enjoyed that one. I mean, like I said, those are actually two very good picks, and I think I remember you saying what your number one pick is, and I definitely can't disagree with that one. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so that's uh, all that's... for your number two. Okay, my number two is a, a film starring Charles Bronson called The Mechanic, and this is a movie basically about a hitman who kind of takes a, in a protege to kind of show him the ropes. I don't really want to give a lot about this movie away either because I think it's a good one just to kind of go in as cold as possible. But that's the basic gist on this movie. It's got some great set pieces and scenes in it of some of the assassinations that are done and everything. Bronson is like really good in this movie. As far as, you know, his character, how it shows how he sets up a hit that he's going to do and everything. And you got uh, the actor, John Michael Vincent, who is was probably one of his early movies. And he's really good in it. He was like one of these guys I was actually shocked that I guess his drinking problems really got in his way. And he never really became a big, big star like he was supposed to be. But he's very good in it. This one right here has a few little twists and turns that you'll like in the movie. But this one is... Probably one of my favorite Bronson movies. I, I highly recommend it. They did a remake. I can't really say that I enjoyed that one that much, but I'd say go go back to the original. Go to this one because this this one is a good time and it's just a good solid movie. But that is my number two, The Mechanic. And uh, we will let you jump over now and give your number one. The original Halloween. The original Halloween. Yeah, a movie I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about it. Several tops on the podcast. Yes, yes. You, uh, if you're listening, you should know how we feel. About yeah, it. we've uh, talked about the controversial sequels, <laughs> uh, uh, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends on this yes. podcast. So go back to those. And, and maybe eventually we'll do the original. Uh, some it's point. It's been done so many times. We actually probably need to do the first one of the new ones. Oh, yeah. We haven't done that that's one true. yet. Yeah, we've done the two sequels. Well, we weren't so. podcasting when yeah, it came yeah, out. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> so we probably ought to go back just to round that off. Yeah. But yeah, go right ahead. This far as Halloween. Well, I mean, it's it stands for itself, you know. Yeah. It's, it's Michael Myers, his legacy, and the beginning of his legacy. Yeah, And yes. probably one of my favorite 
horror movies. I mean, I don't know if you could say any more of that. I mean, it's like I said, anybody who loves horror films, you've got to like Halloween in some yeah. capacity. Even if you don't like it, you've got to at least admire it and say, hey, this is where yeah. one of the building blocks of things for started. All the slashers, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I can't fault you for picking that because if I'd been born on that year, I would have probably picked the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, because, I mean, Halloween is probably my favorite horror movie, if not one of my favorite horror movies, hands down. Yep. So, I can't disagree with you there. But so that's the uh, end that's of your number three. one. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, my number one is a little known film that maybe a couple people have heard of. It's called The Godfather, which I have never seen. Yes. And it's very fascinating because I just rewatched this film probably a week ago. This is a movie that no matter how many times I watch it, I'm still blown away by it. Like I've never seen it watch before. It. it is so good. You know, it's a movie, it's a long movie, but it doesn't feel long. It's just this big family, sprawling family saga. It's just you're watching a man who in the beginning is just this normal guy who just becomes corrupted. By the end of it, by just everything. And it's so good. God is so good. And the performances are excellent. Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, Robert Duvall, James Caan. Everybody's so good in this movie. I don't know. I could dote, dote on and on about this movie. If you haven't seen The Godfather like you have it, <laughs> I guess we probably do need to watch it at some point. I need to sit you down and actually watch this movie. I mean, I can't say enough good about this movie. It's it's called one of the best films ever made. And when I rewatched it again last week, yes, that, that applies. Because this movie is just, it just moves at a steady pace. It builds everything. And then right there at the end, of it, you're just like, wow, so good. But that is my number one. And that was a film that was out the year I was born. So I guess I was born like you were. I was born on a good year because you had a <laughs> solid film for your number one. And I definitely have a solid film for my number one. So we were born on two good years, two good vintages there, I guess you could say, of Grape Juice Plus. <laughs> so I guess if anything, okay, well, we're going to be shutting everything down here. Um, mm -hmm. And before we do... Feel free to contact us uh, at uh, themovieclinic at gmail.com, and that's T-H-A, not T-H-E. Feel free to send in some recommendations or any comments or questions. I know we've got a another request from a listener, I think it was... Steve a, in the UK. Uh, Steve in the yeah. UK that we're going to be trying to work in here sometime early this year, and I'm very... I actually ordered the Blu-ray the other day for the movie. Yeah, he's had some good picks. Yeah, so he's we're had some interesting picks. So, yeah, mm -hmm. we're definitely going to be hitting on some of these. Or you can uh, contact us on the Facebook page. Uh, feel free to comment or ask questions there. You know, we always kind of keep a check on that to see what's going on. Main website is themovieclinic.com. Yes, and you can uh, get the episodes there, mm -hmm. you know, or you can uh, get them on any of your other ones, like Pod Bay. I think uh, it's on uh, Anchor. and Anchor, or pretty much probably by any podcast app that you use now, I think our podcast is on there. So, and if it isn't on there, let us know. We might be able to, be able to see if we can get it on there. Mm -hmm. But uh, I guess what I'm going to do here is I'm going to hand it off to Sherry, and she's going to let you know what we will be covering in uh, the next episode. February. We spend a lot of time in the 80s. So I chose 1986, Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. One of and John, I cannot wait. Yes, John Carpenter. We're back to John Carpenter again after doing the theme. Yes, this is one of my favorites. Yes. I mean, I'm so excited to do this. I one. truly love this movie. So mm -hmm. this will, uh, spoiler alert, 
I'm, you ain't gonna hear me say anything bad about this nope. movie going into it. No, nope, so, it's not allowed. Yeah, so if you're sitting there expecting us to tear into this movie, that will not happen. Nope. So just be forewarned, this is gonna be a love fest uh, on this movie. <laughs> but yeah, that's an excellent pick, and I'm really looking forward to doing that one. Yeah. Because it's just it's such a good movie. But uh, like I said, I guess um, if anything, uh, we've got all the housekeeping done. And until uh, next time, I am David. I'm Sherry. And we will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.